This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing, take just one moment, and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts... Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. But if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 175. My name is Nick Howell. And wondering how much Pac paid to have Baron Corbin's hair glued to the top of his head... I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to Busted Wide Open, and welcome to this week's edition where we're going to be talking about yes. SmackDown. I keep wanting to say SmackDown Live, Nick, and I guess technically it is SmackDown Live, but it's now called Friday Night SmackDown, so I'm still that's an yes. adjustment I'm still having to make. Friday Night SmackDown. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, they're making me hate ACDC. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get over that yeah. song. Uh, and we also talk about AEW and NXT on Wednesday night. Plus, we have a lot of news to get through. So it's a packed show today, Nick. A packed show. We are starting to get yes. close to Survivor Series over on the main roster and TakeOver on NXT. And, of course, this was the Fallout show from Full Gear, which I can say and somehow Fully you Fully loaded. There. Oh, my God. Me and J- JR just can't down, say it JR. for some reason. Calm right. <laughs> Got some swagger in his step, that, that JR. He's not swagger. He's got swagger. Anyway, you know what we mean. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. We want to talk about all the wrestling, but first, we've got to do some housekeeping, Nick. So let's get that done. Yes, let's get that out of the way so we can talk about the graphs. Come join us over on Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open. Like our page and send us a join request. We'll get you right into the group. It is sort of the hub of our operation where we post lots of fun memes, uh, videos, uh, news stories, all kinds of good stuff there. And you'll also find a link pinned to the top of the group to get into our Discord community, where we have live chats for all of the shows all throughout the week, as well as dedicated channels such as for Fully Loaded, uh, Fuel, Fuel Rod, Fuel, Fuel, Full Gear, oh and my co- God. the upcoming Survivor Series dedicated to live chat as those shows are going on. We're always in there, always having a good time, so make sure you join us, the Discord community, so you can get in on some of that. You can also find us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, streaming live right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, as well as our patron mailbag episode, uh, or sorry, dedicated series that we're doing just to answer all of our patron listener questions uh, right immediately after this show is done. 
So about 5 p.m. Eastern is when we would kick into gear for that. But you can find it all at youtube.com slash open. Make sure you subscribe. We're on that race to 1,000 subscribers. Please help us get there. And make sure you hit that little notification bell so you get notified anytime we're putting up new video content, which you might have seen starting this past week. So thank you guys for all the love and the support there. Uh, we're going to continue to do that and uh, as we go forward. So lots of new stuff coming. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Last but certainly not least, thank you to all of our patrons. You mm. guys are the fuel of the machine that runs this operation. Thank you so much for all your love and support every single month. And if you'd like to get in on some of that, be able to answer, ask listener questions for that patron mailbag series, as well as get access to the show notes every week or every episode, uh, get in on uh, bonus episodes every month, all of that stuff. Patreon.com slash BWO is the way to do that. But Ian... Not a lot of big news this week, but we had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we want to get some of it out of the way so we can get to the really good stuff. So let's head over and kick things off by talking about SmackDown Live. Oh, SmackDown. Wait, I, no, I, not SmackDown Live. You, uh, Friday, Friday Night Smackdown. Smackdown. Yeah, we got, we'll get this, Nick. We'll get there we'll eventually, get it down. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Fully Loaded. Yeah, no, yeah. SmackDown uh, had its lowest rating yet since going to Fox 2.35 with a .7 in the 18 to 49, which is, oh. it's dropping. Uh, it's not what Fox wants to see, but um, do you think it could possibly be because WWE is doubling down on the Baron Corbin-Roman Reigns feud, and Baron Corbin opened the show again this week with another promo uh, talking about how Roman was not the locker room leader anymore and how he was the true leader of the Survivor Series team. And once again, mocking Roman Reigns for being a little dog, not a big dog, and in fact changing his entrance music to the sound of Chihuahua barking in time with the music. And uh, 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 what, a mascot? What would you, a furry? What would you say uh, came out? Like a guy dressed in a dog suit came out to Roman Reigns' altered music, and then Corbin had like had him in the ring, like he was like telling him to sit and right all that stuff. And Rude and Ziggler I, I, were there ruining their careers as well. So I'm, I'm yeah, conflicted this on this, uh, to be honest, uh, because my inner twelve year old from the Attitude Era loves this. That just kind of, <laughs> right. I mean, I'm giggling, right? And I think that's the intended response, or when they're coming up with it, that's what's going on. But yeah. my more mature sports, rest, sports entertainment journalist, whatever we call ourselves for doing this show, is just eye rolling annoyed at this point. Right. And I, I, while I do give props to whoever made the song, because it is tricky to do to do the little Chihuahua yelps in time with the song, that can be tricky to do. But I. I don't know. I'm conflicted you, you on this because I want to see Corbin doing schmarmy type stuff like this, but it's not as entertaining as it should be. It's it's childish, and maybe that's the point. Exactly, but it's that's, not good yeah. TV. You took the words out of my mouth. It's supposed to be childish. The kids love this. You know, I have to admit, I gave a wry grin when they, when they, when they, that stuff was going on. I was like, all right, that's that's kind of funny. But it's it's really dumb. Like it really that's the thing. It's really dumb humor. And having Corbin and Rude and Ziggler all there like ah ha ha and acting like it's so funny is also just oh it's eye rolling. And you could actually tell from the crowd's reaction. When the, the pyro went off and the show started and ACDC was playing, that crowd was they're in Philadelphia. That's a hot wrestling town. Yeah, it and is. And th that crowd was hot. They were jumping up and down, they were screaming and yelling. 
And uh, Corbin came out on his throne being carried by people, and they were still they they booed the hell out of him. They I'm, I'm glad really they finally it. gave him that kind of an entrance too, because yes. I, I want to continue to just like turn the screwdriver that is King Corbin into the WWE universe, that like amp it up like that. I'm that gets a thumbs up for me. So that's so. and that's yeah, that's that's heel work. That's he's supposed to be a smarmy heel who you want to punch. He's got a punchable face and he's annoying, <laughs> and that's the whole point of Baron Corbin. And you and I have been supporters of Baron Corbin because he is one of the rare, true modern heels who can actually get people genuinely pissed off at him. The problem is, is the material he's being given. And having him out there imitating little chihuahua barks and telling a guy in a mascot suit to sit is not, that's not as good a material as you could be given this guy, yeah. right? Given, given, his, given his strengths. And his strengths are his heel work. Um, and the crowd, didn't re- the crowd definitely didn't, didn't buy it either. They all went completely silent. They went from booing the shit out of Corbin, hating him, giving him the proper response you want to give to a heel to just silence and just, oh, my God, I can't really. Okay. And that's not, that's not what you want. That's not not, what you not want. a week out from your uh, 10 days out from one of your big four pay-per-views. Like, this right. is what you're opening your show with. Well, now, to be clear, they did actually, in my opinion, they pulled it. They, they brought it back a bit, and that was they had a match between uh, Ziggler and Rude and Gable and Ali. Excuse me, Mustafa Ali. He officially got his name back finally. Woo-hoo. And I refuse to call Chad Gable by the name they want to call him. Uh, but it was for Gable and Ali's spots on the Survivor Series team. So right off sure. the bat, cool. You have a match with stakes uh, and you know, good guys versus bad guys, clearly defined lines. And, you know, they'd already obviously they'd had Roman involved, so halfway through the match, Roman comes out to regulate because Corbin's getting involved in the match. And the match, a very formula, WWE formulaic, it went how you expected. Uh, all kinds of interference and overbooking, and Roman ends up giving Corbin a spear outside and then a tag move. Um, it was a German suplex 450 combo from, uh, from Gable and Ali to seal the deal, and they get to stay on the team. And then the crowd got back into it because these guys are good workers, and they made it exciting at the end, and the crowd got back into it. So... Yeah. You know, the WWE definitely had its cake and ate it too here, I think, where they skated by with the with the actual crowd in the arena from the, the whole dog nonsense, the dog mascot nonsense, into having a hot match that people got invested in. So, you know, I, I personally, I think that the, it, again, I thought it was very formulaic. Yeah. But do you think that it's, do you think it's more, like, do, do we give WWE credit for booking it that way? Or was that just the talent of the wrestlers? Uh, a little bit of... Uh, so I want to give WWE credit for... Do, actually, it's probably a lot of Baron Corbin, too. I want to give them credit for the Kingly entrance being you know, carried out. Um, I don't know who came up with the idea for the mascot, but my, my inner 12-year-old loves it. I hope he comes out every week with the mascot now. There's it's things like, they it, can do with it. It's one of those it. things like, if you're going to do it, commit. Like, sure. Like stick with it because people will eventually come around on stuff like that if you and he was involved too he was doing the roman the mascot guy was doing the roman moves and all of that stuff so wow. it, it could that could work out we're gonna end up with a roman reigns versus the mascot match inevitably at some point i, I don't want um, no it's that again it shouldn't be a match it should just no. be it should just be like the mascot should be their comedy relief every once in a while if you're gonna have to do this all right let's 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 accept our fate and assume that we're getting the damn mascot. If it's if that's the case, like yes, go all the way with it, have fun with it, 
But have him just be like this little nebbish there with Corbin. He doesn't get matches. Like he gets speared out of his out of his suit once, yeah. you know. And I don't know. It's I I always cringe when I see these mascot characters on WWE, whether it's the Adam Rose's bunny or whether all the way back to the gobbledygooker. You know, it's I'm I just like oh this one at least you know there's an explanation for it that's kind of all right. It's a bit amusing. They could do funny things with it. Right. We'll see where we'll see where it goes. We'll but see I definitely, how it goes. Uh, and again. It's for the kids, and the main roster is for the kids. That's what they're gunning for, so they got that all right. Uh, and we're not done with this yet, because next week it's already been announced there will be a six-man tag, Rude, Ziggler, and Corbin versus Reigns, Gable, and Ali. No stakes there, I, I guess. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're all for this. They're all for this Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns feud, and I got to say, Nick, uh, it's not the first time that Reigns has had to go against a bunch of heels at once. And to redo that storyline of Roman overcoming the odds of multiple heels and to have him uh, specifically against Baron Corbin, um, I think is a real gamble on WWE's part, frankly. Yeah. And I, I, I don't I, know if I don't know if I don't know if the universe has an appetite for this kind of super super reigns thing again that we had two years ago. Right. And that's and, and I don't the the thing that worries me is I don't know if WWE knows that it's a gamble. Yeah. Does that make scary. sense? Yeah, <laughs> like I think it's a gamble. I think I'm like, oh, you guys, nah, this the crowd could really not buy this, and they're kind of not buying this already. And WWE's like, what? No, by WWE I mean Vince is back there going, no, no, it's good shit. It's no, it's the, the crowd love it. They hate Corbin. They love Roman. It'll be great. I love how, by the way, in Vince's mind, we still have to have Corbin put Roman over, even when he's tearing him down. Right. right. It's like, no, by the way, yeah, so Roman is a role model. He's a great guy, but he's a bad leader of Survivor Series. And he's not a locker room leader. Like, what are you doing? What? <laughs> not everyone has to, to fondle Roman's balls just because right. the guy had leukemia and recovered from it is, and is like Vince's favorite son. Like, he's a heel. He shouldn't be yep. putting over Roman. Madness. No, not at all. Not oh. at all. Uh, I, I, I want to see where this goes. My biggest concern is that. You're ten days out from your biggest one of your your biggest pay per view of the fall, yeah, in Survivor Series, and you've done f all to really build for it. Well, but here's the thing: you or to make us to, care, but you wanted to have Survivor Series matches where you earned your spot in the team, and they kind for of the ret- last month, yeah, they, they yeah. kind of retroactively had that here. But it's more of like a showcase of going. See, these are why we picked them. Aren't they awesome? Right. It's it's like a showcase. It's, it's not a arbitrary. it's not a qualifier in a right. way, right? Right. It's still, so, it's, it was still no, arbitrary. guys. We're super serial. Like these guys are the best ones, right? right. Yeah, see, we put them in a match. Yeah, and that's what it's going to be next week with the six man tag. Wait, who so, put them in a match? We don't know. They were just in there. Just go with yeah. it. Hashtag WW Logic. Speaking of WW yes. Logic, uh, we decided to have a Miz TV segment with Daniel Bryan. And to be fair, Nick. I loved most of this, but there's some nitpicking I gotta have with this with this whole mm-hmm. segment. Let's go through all the sequence of events. You because, and me both. You and because, me both. Because there was some really some of the best stuff on SmackDown was in this whole seg like series of segments, whole storyline, and some of the some of the most head scratching stuff was also in here. So Daniel Bryan, as we know, has been a bit conflicted of late. Sami Zayn and Nakamura have been trying to get him to join their team. With apparently Cesaro officially is part of their faction now too. Cool. Uh, and finally, Sami Zayn said, before you go out to Miz TV, give us your final answer. Do you want to join us, our team of artists? And Daniel Bryan said, you know, last week when I was getting attacked by The Fiend, you ran. And how do I know you have my back? You don't. 
So, no, I can't join you. Why don't you get uh, Braun Strowman instead? And, of course, Braun Strowman was standing right there and scared off Sammy and Nakamura. But uh, So, Dana Bryan comes out to the ring, uh, officially not going to join Sammy and Nakamura, nor does it seem like he's going to feud with them, which is sad because it was, orig- it was originally supposed to be Daniel Bryan was going to beat Nakamura for the IC belt mm-hmm. and then be in that triple threat at Survivor Series against Roderick Strong and um, uh, AJ Styles which, I mean, Nakamura, it's going to be a, a nice match, but that would have really been a yummy match with Daniel Bryan in it, too. Yeah, it would have. Uh, oh, well. But uh, However, uh, I want to I temper things here by Daniel coming out. Keep going, because where I got really excited about this was a renewal of something that I've been missing for a couple of years. Okay. Uh, uh, keep going. <laughs> all right. Uh, so Daniel Bryan comes out to the ring for Miz TV. And Miz and uh, he have an interview, and I like the fact that they did not have any problem stating that he and Miz don't like each other. And Miz had no problem going back into his little bit of a heel character here and calling out Daniel Bryan and saying that you know you you uh, you kind of lost it, pal. You're a bit washed up. Um, and Daniel Bryan saying you don't. There's something you don't understand is that yes, I may be mentally unstable. I may not know who I am right now. I may have you know, be so mentally unstable I had to kick someone in the nuts to win a world championship. I don't want the yes movement. I don't know where I'm at, but I've still got the heart. I've got the passion, right? Yeah. And this this whole bit between the two of them I thought was really engaging. Yeah, it was. Um, it brought back a lot of those tinglies from when we were so hyped about Daniel Bryan and The Miz yeah. going back and forth. Uh, was it a year and a half ago, uh, Mania 18? Somewhere around there, we were supposed to get some of that that big feud, and it just never it never percolated to the top. Daniel was we were uncertain about whether he was going to uh, be active or not. Things like that. This to me, it, the first thing I noticed about this once he got out to the ring was that they were just eyeing each other hard, and I was like, there is some legit hatred between those two, <laughs> and I want to see I want to see these two get at each other. And if this is the intro to Miz flipping back. And we've got Shinsuke and the Intercontinental title involved in this. I can see something manifesting Miz, out of this. Where Miz comes back to Shinsuke and gets that title for the last time. Well, not the last time, but like the big time. And or I, Daniel I don't, gets it off Shinsuke, and then you have Miz and Brian. But that doesn't seem to be where, that doesn't seem to be where we're going because not yet. Yeah, no, not yet. you're you're looking at your long term hashtag Nick book. I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the Nick bookings are coming again. And, and I'm giving Dom, you guys hints and teasers. Do, uh, Sin Cara left WWE. He's not being played by uh, Dominic. That means so there's you know. a vacuum that needs oh to be filled. Oh, my God. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I'm singing Frozen. I wanted you to let it go so much. All right. So this is not the end of this because earlier in the show, we had seen a Firefly Funhouse segment where Bray Wyatt did a little magic trick and turned the red WWE Universal Championship blue. Which... Yeah, so you knew you were going to do this. You you had an opportunity to do something completely new and innovative. You had an opportunity to introduce potentially a... Uh, uh, something unique? No, you just changed it. Blue. Okay. And 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 the and the thing with this was is if you like, you can't think about it too hard because it hurts your head if you do. Because yeah. why? Bray Wyatt comes out to red light, right? Red's kind of his thing, but yet he wants to change the title blue. He doesn't care about brands or belts, but yet he changed it to the brand color. That makes 
absolutely no sense in kayfabe that he would do this. <laughs> like, why not make a belt in his own image the way that Daniel Bryan had the hemp belt? But yeah. no, we get a blue universal title. A tickling you over Ooh! there with that. But oh, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Like when I when we when I had heard that they were gonna change or hinting at changing the belt. I was like, oh, there's a cool... Oh, yeah. yeah, Daniel Bryan with the hemp belt. That's cool. That's a story. Oh, you could do something really cool with the Phoenix. No, it's just nah, blue. It's blue. blue. Right. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere Batista <laughs> is drooling. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. So now the universal title is blue. To, you know, not to be completely negative, it looks way better than the red belt. <laughs> it does. It still looks like a Fisher-Price toy. It still looks like a toy, and I thought it was great because we had another Firefly Funhouse segment in the Daniel Bryan Miz TV segment. No surprise. They're talking about how the Fiend attacked him. Daniel Bryan's saying how the Fiend truly understands him. He's the one, of the guy that, one of the guys that can. And all of a sudden, the Firefly Funhouse pops up, and Bray Wyatt's up on the screen. He gets a toy box, and rummages through the toy box, pulling out like everything from a you know, a bicycle horn to a, a, a hacksaw. And uh, then the last thing he pulls out is this toy-like universal belt. I thought that was a really nice ding, ding, wink. Um, but, uh, but then there was, that's, this is where the segment started falling apart for me. Because Bray starts saying, hey, what, you know, do you remember what you did? Uh, I'm, that's why the fiend is coming for you. And, I, don't, uh, I didn't. I, I thought he, I was hoping he was going to tell me or we were going to get a video recap. But what is he referring to there? I think he's referring to Daniel Bryan betraying the Wyatt family because he's been targeting people that have messed with the Wyatt family. Oh, that's meta. I love that. Uh, see, it would have really helped there if they had shown some kind of video, 60-second package. You want to, more to, video to, packages? No, this is so much better just having it be like having us wonder like, okay. oh, what is that's fair? To? It, and it makes having, us go back and look for it. Because sure. how much more excited were you right now when I said, remember when Daniel Bryan betrayed the, betrayed the Wyatt family and you went, oh, yeah, that's what he was referring to, as opposed to this is the story. Remember this? And remember when Roman was killed by Rowan? Like, right? Sometimes the video packages get, get out of hand. This is better. This is better. To have these subtle little ding, it might be that. It might just be that the fiend is crazy. Yeah. We don't. We don't know. He never but, forgets. Right. But what I do know is that the, uh, Bray Wyatt tried to get Daniel to restart the Yes movement, and Daniel kept saying no, 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 no. And then Bray said, "What about a title match?" And Daniel said, "Okay." Or Daniel actually said, "I want to fight." And Bray said, "How about for this belt?" And Daniel said, "Okay." And then the segment. Well, the Firefly found out Bray just started screaming, yes, 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 on the screen. It was creepy. And then he just kind of stopped, and Daniel Bryan turned away from the camera, and you could audibly hear him go, are we finished? And then Miz gave a speech saying, oh, that's what we get Daniel Bryan for Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship and Survivor Series, everybody. Yay! And then, and then uh, the music hits, and Daniel Bryan stalks up the, the ramp to end the show very awkwardly. So I wonder what the botch was there. But mm. uh, so Nick, I actually thought Daniel was going to attack Miz there to close out the show. But this and is I, the I think that would have been a nice touch, a nice little button on the end of it to parallel. So sure, have Daniel Bryan go in for a title match, but he's also got Miz in his sights. Yeah, just keep those running in parallel. I think that could have been really strong to to go out on. Well, you're touching on something. Is what was the point of having Miz in this segment? Bingo. You know, Bingo. To, set, to set up Daniel. Well, Bryan he was for- supposed to have the fiend, and he never got the fiend, and. I, that's what I read into. It's just it to as. give Miz something to do, really, and it was yeah. it was it, it was extraneous. And by the end, it created a weird dynamic, having Miz just standing there, and the exchange between Daniel Bryan and the Fiend was off. And I think it was supposed to be a little bit weird and kind of awkward. 
but it became just kind of like like it, the way that it ended. I think if they ended on Bray screaming yes, which I think was perhaps the intention or what Daniel Bryan thought yeah. was going to happen, uh, that would have been weird and unsettling, and I think that would have been appropriate. But then they just kind of bungled the ending. So that's I think that's probably why it left a bad taste in my mouth. But yeah. I will say this: the the way that they're defining Daniel Bryan right now and the weird like layers and the 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 history that's happening between him and the fiend and him and Miz is the most interesting thing happening on this show by far and away by far and away. So on that, like, yes, a bit of a bungled end of the segment and the show, uh, a bit sloppy. And I, I still think that was the whole, the mentality of how he and the fiend were getting to the title match was a little bit illogical, but at the same time, it's, it's the best thing on the show. So yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like uh, I, I get that Daniel Bryan, they had to have him in some kind of feud with him because the fiend attacked Daniel Bryan. Why? We'll never know. Yeah. Well, they tried to explain it, but they said because of the Wyatt family stuff. Da, 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 da. I, <laughs> sure. Is Daniel Bryan the right one for him to go up against next? I'm not mad at it. It's right. probably not what I would have picked. Uh, looking at the grand scheme of everything that's kind of going on right now, and, but he's got to defend it at Survivor's. You can't ha- not have your top titles defended at one of your big four pay-per-views. Who so else? he's got to have somebody. And, and honestly, this is the kind of person that he should have been doing this against in the first place, just without the belt. This, it yeah. should have been all psychological yes. stuff. You don't need the belt for this. Yes, yes, But yes. I don't know who else you'd have the belt on on SmackDown right now. So no. I don't know. It's... it's uh, it's they got things to fix, and it's thanks, like I, Brock. Something I thought that they were gonna fix was the uh, the revival, who last week got beaten by the New Day to no longer be in the triple threat at Survivor Series, and we had a rematch because there was a no rematch decree back in December of last year. Remember that? No more uh-huh. rematches, no more automatic rematches. But yet here we are again, an automatic re- well, It wasn't automatic. The they the revival challenged New Day to a rematch, quote unquote, and the New Day being fighting champions and having. No other tag team to challenge them. <laughs> they- Bailey's on Raw. Rematches are happening again. Cats and dogs living together. Mass, Mass hysteria. hysteria. Mass <laughs> hysteria. Uh, so we had this match go down. And I, I have to say, I like the fact that, first of all, it was a sick match. Yeah, was. Uh, this was actually, I think, better than the match they had last week when the New Day won. Uh, some really great false finishes. Some great tag team work. But there was no finish because... Undisputed Era came out and just started beating up everybody, and that was the end of the match. And they got chased off by all the all the you know undercard guys. So, yeah, catering. Did, did this did this kind of hurt more because you're like, oh, it was such a good match. And I want to see more of this. I wanted to see this end. And the guy, like, did, did this hurt that Undisputed Era stole the end here? And yes. that Revival, Revival, like, well, had the opportunity to get their titles back stolen from them. I know that you're, you have your predilections here, so I don't know if you want to like look at this through the lens of your markdom for for Revival, or if you want to try to take well, a step outside of it, or no, I, I do want to I do want to discuss one thing here. Okay, and so yes. Is, does it, if this were building to a rubber match of sorts between the New Day and the Revival for the SmackDown Tag Championships, it, it would be fine. Uh, Undisputed Era coming out 10 days before, a week before Survivor Series, it's fine. But 
you're gonna you're gonna empty the lot. I mean, catering. You're gonna empty catering to bring out the, like why not bring out the people that are gonna be in the Survivor Series match instead of catering? Like, make it look legit. Make us care. And and all of it, so I don't care about the tag team feud, and I don't care because we're not going to get that match at Survivor Series because we're getting the the three tag champions fighting each other. So why are we doing this? And you're going to have Undisputed Era come out, arguably your top guys in NXT, and you're going to send out catering to run them off. Not your top guys. This is where I start to just go. Oh, dude, but it's you could have picked five other dudes. It's SmackDown defending itself against these NXT invaders. Where are the where's Team SmackDown? Where's Team Raw? Is my question. Raw and SmackDown have not have not invaded now, each other. Why so, is so NXT you, the you, only you, one taking action? Exactly. And I think I said this in the Discord when we were watching it last night. It, there would have been a perfect moment had SmackDown Team SmackDown from catering run out and run off Undisputed Era, and then Team Raw walks out to the ramp. Yeah. Uh, and and all of them are out there. That would have gotten a pop. But no, no. I, so you're not getting me hyped for Survivor Series like you've done for pretty well for a few years now. Well, and you, this, you, is the, this is the look at what thing. we had with so, Becky last year and all that. So. It's so one level. You have the possibility and the ability to do this on so many levels, where you could have Raw and SmackDown could have their own things going on in NXT, and the only feud they're doing that with is the women's feud. The top women's feud is the is frankly the best booked in terms of all the different the three different women attacking each other in different ways, right? That's yeah. the only one they're doing that with. Uh, and not, not the Survivor... None of the Survivor Series matches they're, they're creating multiple levels to. It's only the top women's match. And that's too bad because you could have so much fun with this time of year. You got three brands and they're all at each other's throats. Yes, you could throw logic out the window and just have a whole bunch of, like, you know, gang warfare. You could have so much fun with this. But no, it's we're like getting... the All Star Game or the Pro Bowl. It doesn't brands don't at this point. They just mix everybody together. It doesn't matter. Make us excited. Give us some this. chaos. Yeah, you know, like <sighs> you have the ability, and and they did this again. We had another rematch. We had Bailey has another match with Nikki Cross, which when I heard they were going to do this, I wanted to tear my hair out. Like, oh, good, nice. Another. There's no other women on the roster to challenge Bailey again. And luckily, this match was interrupted by NXT, by Shayna Baszler coming out, and all of the women that Bailey beat up on NXT this week, which we'll get to, which mm-hmm. we'll get, oh, we'll get to, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to talking about that. Uh, and Bailey basically got chased out of the ring by Shayna and then back into the ring by Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, and uh, Mia Yim, who, by the way, is a stud showing up after that ladder match on NXT mm. also which we'll get to um, so then we had an NXT invasion and Shayna and Bailey fight off into the crowd and it's just the four women left with four women from the Smackdown roster who come down to defend Smackdown uh, which was let's see if I can remember Dana Brooke uh, Sasha Banks stuck around she was out with Bailey and uh, then you had Carmella and Nikki Cross who stuck around for the match as well so you had a four-on-four match, and then you had the four women from SmackDown. You had uh, Nikki pin Dakota Kai, and the SmackDown women defend their turf, and the NXT gets run off like a bunch of goons. So, I thought this was okay. This is what I would have expected on TV. Like We, we talked about this. like w- When this match was getting set up and happening, we were talking about who's going to win here, who's going to win at Survivor Series. and I think I said SmackDown's going to win on their brand, on, the, on their turf, like you just said. 
But but I, I, I still think Team Raw is going to win. I'm not making my picks yet. For, that's next week. But I think Team Raw is ultimately going to come out on top of this. It'll be interesting to see what they do on the go-home shows to, to make that impression because I don't – Here's my problem. I just problem. haven't been built Here's my for problem. any of this stuff. Here's my problem. NXT is the least known brand of these three to a casual audience, right? Yeah. So if you're trying to make the casual audience excited for your match, you need to make your, in, your invaders a threat. And this is a mistake that goes all the way back to the goddamn invasion angle, and they still haven't learned the lesson. They still haven't learned this lesson that you have to make the people that are invading your show seem like a threat and also uh, tell the audience who they are. Like, show off why they're badasses. And yeah. here, you had NXT acting like smarmy heels and then losing. That doesn't make them a threat for Survivor Series. That doesn't make them... Uh, 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 was it Arn Anderson who recently said this? Uh, in wrestling, one thing that you really miss is you've got to have a dragon killer and you have to have dragons to slay. Right. Right. If you don't have those two things, you don't have a story. You can have a dragon slayer. You can have Roman Reigns, but you have to give him dragons to slay. Corbin isn't a dragon. He's a he's a fop. Right. He's the Ponzi guy in court. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, he's not a dragon. Brock Lesnar is a dragon. And how many people have been able to slay him? What, Seth? That's it. Yeah. And Seth has his own problems. We can talk about that another time. But if you don't make NXT the dragon to slay, then, you know, if you're wanting to portray SmackDown and Raw as the good guys here, which, fine, if that's how you want to play it, but you need to make SmackDown a threat. And the first week they were a threat, and they immediately defanged that feeling of a threat by saying, oh, no, no, it was a, a depleted roster. They didn't really beat us. Right? So why are you defanging your dragon over and over and over again here? And again, know. again, it, this is this, like they still didn't learn the lesson from the invasion angle, and it, it makes me insane. And when uh, – and, at least they had Dakota Kai lose here because that's kind of her storyline now in NXT that she's she has, hasn't been the same since she got back from injury or whatever her 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 arc is. But at the same time, I, I really strongly feel that NXT should have gone over here. You have mm -hmm. to make them look strong. And next week, if NXT doesn't go over on the go home shows, they better they have to win at Survivor Series. Otherwise, what is the entire point? Exactly. It, it would have been all for naught. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think either of the NXT Survivor Series teams are going to win. No, I don't. I don't think NXT. I, I'm trying to pick at, at Survivor Series. I'm trying to pick what match NXT is going to win at all. Yeah. They have to win something. They're the brand they that do. you have yeah. going head to head with a competitor. You have to make them look engaging to your mainstream audience. You're This is supposed to be an advertisement for NXT on your main show. That's you, the disconnect. You want to make people really put watch the show. Yet. Like, why are you going to, oh, well, they're a bunch of losers. Why am I going to go watch them? They're a bunch of heels and losers. Why am I going to want to watch NXT? It's the best two hours in wrestling in the world right now. That's, that's why you want them to go watch. Why, but, yeah, but they don't know that. If I was a kid and I was watching these NXT people come in there, I might look at a couple of them and be like, that guy looks cool. That girl looks cool. But she's a, she's a heel. She's acting like a, a dick, and she loses. Right? <laughs> what? Why, okay, well, I'm, I'm fine right. here watching Raw and SmackDown. I don't need to go watch NXT. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to be draw, driving people to NXT. That is literally the point of having NXT involved in the Survivor Series is to try and get NXT over. How are you not – how is that not computing backstage?
get NXT over because that is you you need to be like yes you need to be pushing SmackDown because they're in a rating slump and they had to perform well and they're your billion dollar brand, but NXT right now is also a brand that you need to do well against the mo- the first major competitor you've had in 15 years. I wonder if they think that by bringing NXT, it's doing the opposite of what you're describing, that they're they're saving SmackDown somehow by putting NXT on it, and that's their mindset. Right, just by NXT Instead being of, on the, it. The opposite of what you're talking about. But that's my point, is that's the WWE mentality. Is, well, just by being on the show, it's, it's good for you. It's good for you just to <sighs> be on the show. And that is sometimes the mentality, right? Sure, uh, you've got um, Apollo Crews gets to run out with all of the other geeks from catering, and it's good for him to be, at least he was on the show. Yeah. Which, you know, is there's merit to it. There's some people we haven't seen in months. When's the last time you saw No Way Jose? Or Heath Slater. Or Heath Slater. Right. That guy could still be milking the I Got Kids line. But they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't figure out a way to get that to work. So, you know, why actually try to make money when <laughs> When you see something that's getting over, I don't know. All right, All right. so this, this this could be a rant that goes on for a long time, but uh, that was so that was it was something that I think could have been much better than it was. Um, I liked seeing all the NXT women on SmackDown. I liked seeing dude Rhea Ripley versus uh, Sasha Banks was a nice little sequence. There there was good stuff here, but overall, it was really frustrating to see because I think that they're going about this all wrong. Me I too. also I also think they're going about Drew Gulak all wrong. He's yeah, still, I, what, he's still, what the hell is going on with Drew? What Gulak? are they doing? He, whose Wheaties did he piss in? Oh my goodness. From, he's, from the top of the cruiserweight division to the B team. To, to hanging Ooh. with the B team who he sacrificed to Braun Strowman again this week. Just to remind us that Braun Strowman was a monster. Yeah. In um, case you forgot. Is this, is Gulak another, cause he was out there in the ring and he was, he was being, you know, being Gulak where he's like, Hey, check out my PowerPoint presentation and all this stuff. The guy can talk. He can be funny. He can be funny, and he can talk. He can also destroy people in the ring and be really a genuine threat. But is this another example of Vince sees a guy be funny once, and all he ever thinks of him then going forward is go out there and be funny? I'm wondering. You know, I want to. I want to hope that there's a bigger thing at play here where they're going to lever they saw how good the Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel were with the Miz in that great run that the Miz had and they're trying to maybe find someone else to be a leader for the two of them and maybe this is a way to revive Gulak into a more main roster-esque kind of thing that's not cruiserweight I hadn't even put together the I, whole Miz Taraj thing and that actually makes me so much hope, more de- it makes me so much more depressed Nick but I want to hope that there's Put that aside for a second. I want to hope that there's a plan for Drew Gulak because he is everything you just rattled off. He's extremely talented in all aspects uh, you know, of a prototypical sports entertainer. Unless you ask uh, Cody. <laughs> Don't ask Cody. Fine. But uh, I have much love for Gulak. We have for a long time on this show. And I, just, I, I think the immediate annotation is that, oh, God, he got put with the B team. But I'm looking at it going, yeah, but hang on. This could actually work out. So I, with Survivor Series looming, I don't want to nix it right away. But I, I, I hold on for this. This could, this could work into something. Nick is over and, here uh, being hashtag skeptically optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Skeptically But it was this, this, this whole segment was, was awful. It was just to make, hey, remember just, Braun? Yeah, he's a monster. Remember Braun? He's a monster. Forgot. 
He's going to murder the B team, and Drew, Drew Gulak's going to slowly back away with fear like in his eyes. he did three weeks ago or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then finally on SmackDown, Heavy Machinery squashed Kevin Tibbs and Kip Stevens because we needed a nice little squash match and uh, to see the Caterpillar one more time. So, Did you notice the little dig at, I don't know if it was an intentional dig at AEW, but somebody said, do you know anybody that's strong or able to wrestle named Kip? And I immediately went, uh, Kip Sabian? <laughs> I, I don't know if that was an intentional dig at AEW, what's going on over there, but I don't know. I don't know. AEW is too busy using Kip Sabian to tab digs at Joey Janela. Right. So with with because Kip's now dating his ex girlfriend and they're part of a, a an angle now, and they put it right in the middle of the Janela match. Janela, by the way, I didn't call that out of full gear. They had the, the Janela match. Janela gets just beaten to hell, and then as he's like stumbling up the ramp, they cut to Kip Sabian and Janela's ex girlfriend, you know, joining up and 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 making out and being all pretty together. <laughs> and they cut back to Janela, and I was just sitting there going, "Oh God." Oh, it's so awkward. Well, Nick, uh, if we're talking about AEW, that's, let's actually continue with that and head on over and talk about AEW. AEW, to me, just continues its ascent. It really? continues to build. It continues to put on good matches, good shows, good programming. Uh, again, this week, overall, in general, I had a blast. Yeah. I, I just, I just watch, just, it's just sitting here eating my popcorn, just going. It helps that a lot of this is. This is exactly what I want in my wrestling program every week. It helps that a lot of it's still very fresh, and we haven't seen a lot of these matchups yet, and and they are finding some interesting ways to get into these matchups, and to have the results matter. Um, the it, so this coming off of the pay per view, and a lot of these matches were fallout matches, fallout from the pay per view, and sure enough, right off the bat, uh, we have. Uh, a recap of what happened with John Moxley and Kenny Omega in their full-on deathmatch match. And Kenny Omega's got a really bad makeup black eye in the back. He's being checked up and told by the docs he can't compete because he's too banged up and too beat up because he went to Moxley's world, and Moxley's world is not a place anyone wants to go. And then we cut to the ring, and Moxley's been cleared. I love the fact that the doctor, like Kenny Omega, even asked, he's like, what about Moxley? And the doctor goes, oh, he's been cleared. And Kenny oh, Omega, you, you can just see Omega just kind of go, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> that was a great character moment. And it was great to see Moxley come to the ring and just be like, fresh as a daisy, as JR said. Like, yeah, I went to hell and back, and look, I'm fine. couple of yeah. scratches, but I'm good. Uh, and uh, Nakazawa, who was also shown in back with Omega, uh, being disappointed that his friend couldn't wrestle because Moxley beat him up, Nakazawa got mad and challenged Moxley to a match. So we had Moxley versus Nakazawa. Nakazawa throwing away the baby oil, symbolically saying, "I am not. This is not going to be a comedy match. I'm serious now." And then he gets destroyed by Moxley in about thirty seconds. Yeah. And then Moxley <laughs> proceeds to cut a promo saying, "Anyone who wants to test yourself in AEW, find out just how badass you think you are." Bring it on. Love it. I'm right Love here. Mm. So uh, let's start with Omega. Was that like, I think it was a good idea and just so-so execution. You know, like the, the eye looked terrible. The eye looked like he put on his makeup wrong. Uh, I, I didn't, you know, I think you're being nitpicky there. It's, okay. It's fine. Uh, I didn't notice that. It didn't stand out to me. I thought, you know, the way that they portrayed it, 
in a very you know soap opera y kind of way. I love the the twist on the end of it. Oh yeah, Mox is fine. He's he's fully cleared. The <laughs> that was the best part of it. Yeah. Uh, of the whole thing, him getting checked out and all that, I think was a nice touch. The match itself was brutal, so we needed a little bit of that to just yeah. hammer home how brutal it was. And also having that inform the match that we had on the show, Nakazawa, having it directly inform that match. Why are we having this match? Oh, it's a revenge match. Yeah. So, yeah, that was good stuff. I'm going to go out and fight for my good buddy, Kenny Omega, you know, from Nakazawa. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. But, yeah, like you said, Nakazawa got murdered. Uh, straight murdered. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, I was interested. The interesting part of this was: Do we get to see him be serious by taking the oil out? Or are we going to see more from Nakazawa that's not comedy stuff? I wouldn't mind because the, the dude can, can wrestle. The dude can wrestle, and he was yeah, he, he was going stiff at Moxley here. Like the, some of these shots were nice and stiff, so very crisp, as they say. Nice. Uh, we next had the Dark Order versus Jurassic Express. Jurassic Express, of course, that being right now because Luchasaurus is injured. You had Marco stunt and. Uh, what is it? Uh, what, what, what is JR calling him out? Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Jack Perry. Yep. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Um, I still am not sold on Dark Order. They came out with some new outfits, new presentation. They looked a lot more sinister. Uh, but they still aren't paying off that sinister look with their booking. No. They are still kind of the goon squad. Uh, so... I mean, but, but you need one of those, and I don't know of anybody else that could yeah. be that other than as good as Dark Order can be. And so I'm, I'm again, I'm kind of okay with it. And, and one, by the time we got to the end here, it all made sense. It did we make sense what this match was for, right? And when and it was a little bit funny to watch this in a bar while I was working, and have a whole have all the different reactions to this, you know, because once again, you have Marco Stunt who looks like a seven year old out there flipping around and tossing, you know, two hundred 70 pound men or whatever uh, evil uno is and uh people in the bar everything from like scoffing like this is absolute nonsense to people going this is hilarious and yeah. fun um but by the end of you know dark order of course starts uh, beating up marco and and uh uh jungle boy and who should come out for the save but luchasaurus who's back from injury about a month yes. early and basically just wades through all of the minions, all of the Dark Order's minions, uh, including he gives them like a what a, a roundhouse kick to three guys at once. That was beautiful. Just, just plants a bunch of dudes and then proceeds to go through Evil Uno uh, to both of the main guys them, themselves. So, um, And to a huge ovation, Luchasaurus is back and he's one of the most over guys in AEW. So yeah. Uh, I... I pop. I I I, I got to say, like this is if if AEW is being reactive in its booking of these people that are getting over, because I think Luchasaurus is an example of a guy who got over by surprise. Like people yeah, thought agreed. people people liked him, but ever since he got that enormous pop in the first battle royale he was in, uh, they've been booking him like a star. They're and they're turning into they're they're saying, hey, here's a guy who's over. Let's push him. Let's let's have him do stuff that keeps him over, which is a nice refreshing change from what we're used to. Where no no no, we have an idea of what this guy is. We're not letting him be what the audience wants him to be. Yeah. So that's I gotta say, Good like stuff. It's, it's refreshing. It's refreshing yeah, it to have us be like, we like this guy, and have the powers that be go, oh, you guys like this guy? Well, let's give you more of this guy, and let's make this guy look cool. There was one Thank thing you. that was. <laughs> totally. There was one thing that we glossed over that I want to go back to, which was this idea that they could put 
a um what a minion mask on Marco Stunt and even Jungle Boy. And I, I wish they would steer into that a little bit more. Bring some fantasy into it where if you put, if the mask gets on them somehow they, they become a somehow minion. go into a trance and can't get out of it and they have to be something I, like that, right? I think it it's was implied, silly, but I think but that it, but you could do that where it becomes a running thing with the Dark Order, and they're just trying to convert as many people as they can by putting masks on. I think that would be kind of fun. Silly, but fun. Uh, and it could always introduce some level of stakes. Uh, at the end, you know, if you lose this match, you have to allow them to, you have to become a minion or something. I don't know. I'm being ridiculous right now, but I, I didn't want to gloss over the fact that that's what struck or, or drove Luchasaurus to come out was to save Jungle Boy from getting be, turned into a minion. Yeah, we, and it uh, wasn't and Marco explicitly... Stunt was like, he was holding the mask, thinking about putting it on, and they made a point to hand him his Luchasaurus, his dinosaur mask, right. back at the end. And so little things like that, I think, are, are, are clever. And I just wanted to call that out. Not explicitly said that, you know, you're going to become a minion if you put the mask on, but it's kind of hinted, right. and you're like, wow. Very, very wrestling. <laughs> yes, I love it. So, love it. not mad at it. Next, we had a triple threat. Sean Spears versus Peter Avalon versus Darby Allen. Very strange lineup of guys on paper. When you look at it, like what a strange three guys to and and off the bat, they booked it the way that they should, which is Sean Spears destroying everybody else, until Joey Janela comes out and he and Sean Spears fight off into the audience, and we're left with Peter Avalon and Darby Allen. And at that point, it was academic because Peter Avalon is there to to put people over. Darby Allen coffin drops him, and Darby Allen wins this match, and immediately grabs a microphone, and uh, four words is all he said. John Moxley, I'm in, yeah. or something like that. I forget. I forget exactly what he said. I accept. That's what it was. Yep. John Moxley, Moxley, I accept, and stalks off, skates off the ramp, uh, throws <sighs> the skateboard. Uh, so, ah, man, I love the fact that they they get they get Darby Allen because he's a small guy, and a lot of companies would book him as a geek or as a small guy, and here. They're not hiding that he's a small guy, but they're making it believable that he's got this fight in him, whether it's facing Cody or anyone who's bigger. Right. Um, they make it believable that he could stand up to them. And also that he's got so like he himself, the way he portrays himself, uh, he's got just so much tension and there's so much angst and there's so much energy just even when he's standing still. And the way that he poses, the way that he moves, like he is 100% in this character, in this, in, you know, he's 100% present in what he's doing. And that intensity is really helping his character. And it's getting him over because that crowd popped huge for those four words. Yep. I did um, too, for that matter. I, he's the last one I would have expected to come out and, and accept Moxley's challenge at the top of the show. That, I love it. I mean, yes. he's, the, he's the size of one of Moxley's thighs. So this is going to be a really interesting match to see, but it's also knowing how Allen is presenting himself in AEW. And he's gone on record as saying, I won't go to WWE. They offered me money. He's like, but I won't go there because if I went there, they wouldn't understand me and they wouldn't let me be me. I'd be some weird guy masturbating in a closet or something. <sighs> His words, not mine. Uh, but he's not wrong. I don't. They, they absolutely would not True. get his character. They would not get no. him. They would not see what he's capable of. And what he's capable of is what he's pulling off here. And look at how over he is with the crowd. The number of people with the half skull face paint in the crowd already. 
uh, people at the again, like I love watching the show at the bar because I get the audience reaction. And the younger kids, absolutely, like the, the the younger people in the bar, really love them some Darby Allen. Like they see him and they're like, "That's our dude." And I want to give credit to AEW here as well for pushing him. Like we, yeah, opened, was it exactly. double or nothing? We had the Cody match with with him and Darby Allen. Is that, am I remembering that right? Uh, no, double or nothing was Cody versus. Uh, oh, Dustin. Dustin, yeah. Uh, so we've had matches with... Uh, Fighter Fest, the, I believe, was, was Fire, Allen. Fi- there's Fight for the Fallen, Fighter Fest. Uh, there's a bunch of different ones, but Darby Allen has been in some pretty high-profile matches. Those mat- The ones with it was uh, Fight the, for the Cracker Fallen, Barrel. That's the one where, where, Sean, where Sean Spears cracked him over the head. There you go. Okay. So they've been kind of pushing Darby as well and letting him do his thing. And it's just enough hardcore, just enough kind of no DQ territory, just enough street fight territory to make you feel like he, regardless of his size, he is still a real threat. And that's that's what I like. Yeah, because he's I like, like suicidal. It, <laughs> right, and you need some of that, right? Especially yes. in your small guys. Like, even though in their size, they can go up against the biggest guys, but they could he could do something like, I don't know, a coffin drop with a giant Cracker Barrel barrel off of the top oh. of the ring post onto somebody that was such a gnarly and still bump. take him out regardless of how small he is, right? Yeah. That kind of stuff is – that's what Darby needs to keep doing because – not that specifically, but, I mean, keep making me feel like you're larger than life as a little guy, and yeah. I will constantly support it. It's interesting because I see a little bit of Cactus Jack in him, and that's – it's it's mostly the disregard for his own body. But, <laughs> you know, I'm I, yeah, I'm very curious to see what they do next week with Moxley and Allen. I don't see Allen winning by any stretch, but he's got me invested. I don't know. He's got me invested. No, Moxley hasn't been beaten yet. They're not going to have him be beaten by Allen. I can't see that. He's one of the only two guys that hasn't been beaten in singles competition. Uh-uh. Not going to happen, Nick. I see you over there. Not going to happen. Uh, we next had a couple of, of squashy squashes. Nyla Rose versus Danny Jordan. That was squashalicious. And then... Uh, that's <laughs> Is that her actual I, wrestling name? <laughs> Danny Jordan? Yeah, squashalicious. Squashalicious. I don't think Squashalicious is going to get over as Nyla Rose's uh, ring name. Uh, but, you know, maybe if she was at WWE, they call her Squashalicious. Squashalicious. Hello. I'm Squashalicious. Squashalicious. It works. I say, hey, man, yeah. maybe, maybe it'll become a thing. Squashalicious. If it happens in the arena the next time, you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's vicious and Squashalicious. Yes. Uh, and then, so that was, a, that was a quick squash match. And then we had Allie come out at the bottom of the ramp with Tony Schiavone to discuss her future. Hey, I'm Allie. I'm so happy. I'm so nice. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. Awesome Kong came out with Brandy and beat the crap out of Allie and cut off some of her weave and, and sniffed it and stuck it in Kong's belt. Um, I, It's funny. So I had no problem with either of these. All right, we're establishing Nyla's still here. She kills people. Awesome Kong is still here. She kills people. My only concern was they put these two segments back to back, and I thought that was bad booking for the show because you've got two uh, two of your bigger women, your two your two big women, squashing people back to back. And granted, one was a match and one was an interview segment, but it's still the same damn thing. Yeah. So it was a little bit redundant. Uh, the only thing I, that I could think was that they were having a juxtaposition here in order to lead to an eventual feud between the two. It puts them on a collision course, is what it does for me. It puts Rose and Awesome Kong on, on on track. Only by association, by having the segments back to back, not by actually having any beef. And frankly, I don't think you should put your two big women on a collision course this early, because why define which one is the bigger big woman this soon? 
Why not have that's two true. monsters and that's have fair. two monsters floating around there and keep them separate? One that's so, fantasy doing voodoo shit, and the other one that's actually a legit contender for the women's championship. I I, I like that. I, I agree with you completely. Yeah. So I wouldn't put them on this uh, collision course earlier, but I, it feels like that might be what's happening. So that's why I said that. By the way, can uh, I tell you how how much the beginning of Awesome Kong's song is over with me? Like I was just kind part? of like mumbling it to myself. There are eight million ways to die. She's one. That's cool. I love, I love that shit. That was. <laughs> that's I don't know. That's. <laughs> it's cool with me. Um, it's weird to have it just like pop up two or three times. They keep they, when they keep starting her music, <laughs> but it's I don't know. I love it. Um, yeah. So do we th- I mean we're gonna have a Kong and Ali feud? Kong v Priestley, or is Kong just gonna run around killing women until she finally finds one that's gonna fight back? That I, I think we're gonna see Kong doing and Brandy doing this for some time, at least until we know like what the next pay per view is gonna be for AEW because I don't know if that's been announced yet. Um, they're doing. So- they said they're gonna do four a year, so okay. first quarter next year basically. Beginning of first quarter right. next year. So are we are we looking at maybe all the way to May? Double or no? we get six months to go before we get another show out of a- AEW? What? I said quarterly, the beginning oh. of next year. Okay, so we'll have one <laughs> January, February, March. <laughs> yeah, then probably like, double or nothing in Vegas, and yes, then we're back to fire Summer. fest. Yeah, and who knows what? Okay. Who knows what they're going to be called, Nick? Lord knows you won't be able to pronounce the names when they do come around. No. Uh, so next we had finally. We wanted answers. We wanted to know what was going through MJF's mind when he turned on Cody at the uh, pay-per-view over the weekend. And finally, we had the chance because Jericho came out to the ring to gloat about still being the champ. And MJF came out to gloat about beating up Cody. And they both got to cut their own little promos. Oh, my God. I mean, is it hyperbole to say that we have two of the greatest promos uh, in wrestling? in AEW right now, and they're being let off the leash. And they're in the ring at the same time. I popped hard when they both went, Cody Rhodes! <laughs> and the, the whole crowd just lost That's the thing. They, they MJF laughing. comes out, yes, t- talk, talking about how Cody's the real villain and he was going to yeah. turn the crowd anyway. And then he turns to Jericho, and they, they did two different things where MJF basically was saying, do you want me to join the inner circle? And Jericho's like, do you want to join the inner circle? And MJF wouldn't say that he wanted to, but Jericho would invite him. And they kept going back and forth. And it was hilarious. And they finally said, yo, yeah, you know who the biggest goof is? And they both said Cody at the same time. And that's when they're on the same page. And they hugged. Yes. And it was, it, was, it was entertaining. It was hilarious. It was, it was heel heat getting. Uh, and it, it was a fantastic segment. And then you had Cody stumble out from the back looking like absolute hell which is not surprising because that boy legit got beat up in that match with Jericho. Huge wound over his eye and everything. Kicked and, in, the, in the jollies, you know, just all kinds of stuff. Oh, he, was he, just, he took he was every, everything beaten, he could in that match. Beaten with a strap and uh, stumbles down to the ring. Guys try to stop him and he runs past them, runs to the ring and uh, proceeds to try to lay waste to both MJF and Jericho, but gets intercepted by a gigantic goon-looking son of a bitch who we know as Wardlow, uh, who is wait, also... Wait, who? Wardlow. They've been for, doing... For like those video, that don't know, who video is Wardlow? Packages. He's actually an indie dude I know next to nothing about. I know he's done some work Same. over in Britain. Um, but, you know, I've seen his workout videos. Like, the guy is... He's, he's decent on the mic. He's got... Uh, uh, some pretty good skills from what I've seen. I haven't, I've never seen him work a match, but you know, the, the moves I've seen him do in his workout are pretty crisp looking. He's got He's some power boy. moves. He's a big boy. Yeah. He uh, 
he got very amped when he put down Cody. I got to say, very much hulked up. Um, uh, which I was kind of like, uh, careful with that. You're a heel. Don't don't Hulk Hogan too much. But um, at any rate, it looks like he and and MJF are going to be a bit of a faction because he was wearing a Burberry tie, which is very MJF. So the thing I was, the, the the questions I was left with here, because MJF never was accepted into the inner circle. He never asked nor was accepted into the inner circle. But apparently they're on the same page. And it looks like MJF has his own little faction he's forming. It looks like Wardlow and he are a faction. Um, because here's and, and this is why I think that's the case, and it's, he's not going to inner circle. Is right now inner circle is too packed. I think it's it's it would be it would be way too OP if if he and Wardlow joined inner circle. That's just too much. What do you think? Um, You're shaking I have two minds about it. I'm 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 just I'm kind of teetering back and forth, going, I agree with you, yeah, but it kind of looks like that's the way it's going. But after the interaction of MGF and Jericho in the ring this week, I, I'm a hard no that he's going to join the inner circle. I I don't know that he's going to. I don't think he needs to go start his other his own faction. I think him having a a heavy a goon would be cool. Oh no, MGF uh, having a goon is is brilliant. It, it, but I so I don't think it needs to be a whole other faction, right? With their own merch and all that stuff. But yeah, MJF having a heavy, having an enforcer. Would be just brilliant. That's exactly what I want Wardlow to be. Uh, if if that's what this ultimately culminates in, for sure. So uh, Wardlow I, as, I, as MJF's goon is brilliant, and having having Inner Circle be a faction, but then also having MJF and Wardlow be another faction, like not necessarily on the same page as Inner Circle. Like they they can actually have some beef with Inner Circle, but also hate Cody and the Bucks and the Elite. Yeah, not mad yeah. at that. that I'm works. not. They're not NWO Wolfpack. They're no. a whole different, you know what I mean? It's not like having splinter groups of the same faction. It, it, they could all be on their own same page. Sure. And that would be interesting. I don't yeah, know. it would be. I'm not we'll mad. see how that plays out. Well, look at, look at, for instance, you know, a lot of these guys came through the New Japan system where you've got tons of factions. And some are, they're evil factions, but they're like pseudo-evil factions. You've know, you got Suzuki-Goon, you got Bullet Club. They're, they're both evil factions with their own agendas and uh, Los Ingobernables. Are they evil? Are they good? No, they're on their own side. You know, they're chaotic neutral, essentially. Yeah. They're so, just narcissists. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you can be narcissistic with that kind of beard that Sonata has. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Fair. so this was all very good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, next, we had uh, sp- more good stuff. Hangman Page and Pack had their rubber match on TV, which was bizarre to me to have a rubber match, not at the pay per view, but on TV. And uh, Pack winning it fairly decisively, I would say. Like it went back and forth for a while, and then he just put Hangman down, just beat the beat him and beat him into unconsciousness, and then used his finishing both his finishing moves on him one after the other. Well, he just he kicked him, and then Hangman just went down, sold it like death, like he'd been shot, and then put him in the rings. Of, what's the new it's Rings of Saturn? But what's he calling it now? The, Brutalize, the brutalizer. He did well. He, he did the black arrow on him first. He knocked right. him out. He did black arrowed him, and then brutalized him, and it was just <laughs> academic. I mean, it's like that's... the double tap headshot. You know, it just I'm real. I'm just we're just gonna put Hangman Page down for oh, good. I... Yeah, Holy I, I love the fact that, that, <laughs> that they're making Pac look like, an, look like an absolute animal. Here's the thing, though. I don't know if I'm ready for this feud to be over. I wouldn't mind I'm a not. best of seven. These guys are, are amazing together. They're fantastic together, and it's the right level for both of them. 
I love like, you know, because they're the second and third ranked guy in the company right now. I love to see two and three keep changing place and having them just, just you know, have that constant feud. I love it. Well, as we as we heard last week, there's there is rumor circling that this month we're going to get an additional title introduced into AEW. So I would not be surprised if they do keep this going, and those two end up being your first feud for whatever that new title ends up being. Uh, like yes. we said la- the, earlier this week, yes. we don't want to call it the mid card title, but at, you know whatever it ends up being, the twenty four seven eleven European TV title, whatever. They're uh, having who cares a, what it is? Have another title a, for these two to fight over and yeah. introduce some stakes to this feud. They're having. Remember how Cody used to have the ring back in Ring of Honor? Uh, they're having a, 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 a battle royale match next week for an AEW ring, and I'm wondering if that's what they're going for instead of a belt. Uh, but I'm I'm curious. I haven't heard enough about it to really be able to be of a mind about it. Yep. But uh, yeah, I I mean, this was the first feud that AEW had was Hangman versus Pack. This is the first feud they knew they were going to have at their first press conference. These two started their feud. So mm. to have this be a, a central feud of the first like you know year of AEW, I think would be, uh, I think it's I think it's worthy. So uh, we also had a we then came back from this match to a massive Young Bucks and Proud and Powerful match uh, brawl. Excuse me, not a match. It was a brawl backstage. Uh, and I mean, the start you know you had people going through tables, you had people getting thrown through bathroom doors where Orange Cassidy was just randomly standing in a bathroom and they just kind of quietly closed the door behind it's, it's them. It's like, okay, so we're subtle leave, and brilliant. Leave like, him why is there. he in a bathroom by himself just standing there against the wall? Who, I don't know, I don't that, know if subtle kind of is the, the word I would use. I don't know if I would call it subtle, but I would definitely say that it's just... It's nice, it's nice just background stuff. It uh, wasn't WWE on the nose where he's got his pants around his ankles and he's taking a huge okay. jump or something. It, <laughs> he's just he's just Orange Cassidy stood there leaned up against a wall just because he's yeah. Orange Cassidy with his right. sunglasses on. It, it's, it's just perfect. And then they just a little close the door like, Subtle. sorry to bother you, Mr. Cassidy. <laughs> sorry. To, yeah. Right. I love that you're like, oh, yeah, compared to WWE, it's subtle. That's like saying it's subtle compared to a punch in the face. Yes. Okay. Compared to WWE, Nick, it was subtle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But this brawl went all over the place. Went out to the to the to the to the ramp. Uh, You had, I think it was Nick Jackson, got powerbombed through the stage after they drew a bullseye on the stage. Uh, And then you had, uh, uh, you even had Private Party get involved as well and come out to the the Young Bucks' rescue, which means next week we're getting Proud and Powerful versus Private Party. Man, this was a huge brawl. Like we've seen some long brawls already in AEW. This one's the longest one yet. This was like this went through a commercial break and came out the other side. Mm. So it, fantastic. This whole wow. segment just a plus. Wow. So I, I'm curious because, like we said, the next pay per view is in what couple months? Three yeah. months, let's say. Are they going to be able to keep that Bucks and Proud and Powerful feud hot that long? I, I think so. For four or five weeks, yeah. I think so. Get past the holiday. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if AEW counter programs Royal Wait, Rumble at the end of January, five, early February. Four or five weeks? What is yeah. what is it's twelve weeks is three months. Dude, we're halfway through November already. It'll be January in six weeks. But we just had a pay per view. I'm saying three weeks from Okay. I'm, I'm my thinking is that end of January, early February to counter program Royal Rumble and to build towards their own thing. I that's what How I'm, many I, weeks do you think it is between now and the end of January? 10. You just said five or six. To be into January is what I meant. Sorry. That's 10. 
All right. Give, math give with Nick and Surrey and Dangerous. Yes. Your math is as good as your memory of, of how, what to call the pay-per-views over on AEW. Uh, next we had SCU. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out. SCU versus Jericho and Sammy Guevara in the main event. Uh, Jericho and Guevara saying they want the inner circle to be draped in gold and that they're so good they can go for the tag titles as well. Uh, this was a fun match, but what was crazy, Nick, was that at the end of the match, it came down to, of course, you had interference from outside. Uh, Jake Hager was out there outside of the ring. He got kicked out of the side of the ring. Sammy Guevara and uh, and uh, I almost called him Kasabian. <laughs> Kazarian. Uh, they, get, they start scuffling outside the ring. It ends up just Scorpio Sky alone with Jericho in the ring. And Jericho's pretty much taking it to Scorpio until Scorpio gets him in a small package and wins. He is the Scorpio Sky is the first man to pin Chris Jericho in AEW. I, I want to take a moment for that because that's that I, I did too. I'm course. glad you did, because I do too. And that's for a number that of that has implications ongoing. I was curious why why they're putting Chris Jericho in a tag match. And there's a little bit of influence, I feel, coming from New Japan. This is how they build feuds, right? I, I, that's where I see... So are we going to have SCU, since it is a three-man faction, can we have SCU be the tag champions? I actually thought they were going to pull Christopher Daniels out for some single stuff. Now I'm leaning towards Scorpio Sky. Has, after the Christopher Daniels injury, Scorpio Sky came out hot, and I feel like they've pivoted a little bit to Scorpio. But they've already said they're not going to in, invoke the um, the what, what what let's call it the new day rule now. I know it's the free, free bird birds. Rule. the free bird rule. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to invoke that where you can have any two from a from a faction. It's going to be Kazarian and Sky defending the belts. Okay. Um, but that, so that, okay. But but that being said, we also know that Daniels is probably going to be going after Pentagon because that's the guy who injured him. But they're also making it clear that if you're in a tag team, it doesn't mean you can't go do single stuff as well. In addition, what they showed here was their number one tag team is better than their champ with one of his number one guys, which is something that I really like to see defined. I know, I know you do too, where they say, yes, a tag team is better than any two random guys you stick together because they're better at this style of match. Totally. They know how to work it. They know how to uh, interact and do the things that you do in a tag team match that are that you don't do in a singles match. The only thing that undermines that is that at the end of the match, it came down to a one-on-one, right? Yeah. It came down to a singles match at the end. So that does kind of undermine that theory. But the thing then is we look at how over Scorpio Sky has been ever since he came in and saved the guys after, after Chris Daniels went out with injury, right? He's been super over. Another example of them looking at a guy who's over and keeping on keeping that momentum going. Yeah, they're they're keeping making him cool and Jericho for Jericho to put him over like that's big on everyone's part. Um, I also like the fact that it gives that any given Wednesday feeling to the program, like anything could happen, right? At any on any match, anything could happen. You could pin the champ. Never know. Love it. Never know. Love it. And I also, I also like the fact that Scorpio Sky's like finisher move, his new finisher move is a small package. Yeah. You should just call it the big package. Yeah. Because it's Scorpio. Just saying. Um, but uh, yeah, so I liked, I liked all of, I liked every aspect of this. Uh, 
are we, is this now? So that's three people: Luchasaurus, Scorpio Sky, and Darby Allen. That I feel that AEW's scene get hot and they continue to push them. Yeah. Um, of those guys, do you think that like who do you think has the highest ceiling? Darby Allen. Really? Because I'd say Scorpio yep. Sky. I could see Scorpio Sky at some point being the champ. He, he's not far behind, but my immediate gut shot reaction right now, based on the, the whole year of 2019 through all the pay-per-views and all the action that he's had, the, Darby Allen's right there. Scorpio Sky is very close because SCU as a team is already kind of over, and Scorpio Sky is a known entity of that team, and he just pinned Chris Jericho. So he went from down here. He, he shot right up. Darby was already up here. Darby came out this week and challenged John Moxley, one of the other guy, the undefeated guy, right? So now he's moved way up, right behind what I Darby Allen, my my immediate gut shot. So I, yeah, both these guys, both those guys, and throw Luchasaurus in there too as you know that fantastical kind of magical stuff. He's the new. I mean, is he the the unstoppable monster of AEW? That's now? Jake Hager. That's Jake Hager. I think at this point, and sure. possibly Wardlow. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Wardlow ends up coming into things. But, yeah, I could certainly see something where – I don't know that we'd ever see Luchasaurus versus Inner Circle – or Jungle – Jurassic – Jurassic Express versus Inner Circle. But now that I'm saying it, I'm going, actually, that would be really good. And we have Luchasaurus and Jake Hager once he finally gets the Bellator stuff. Yeah. Why not? You've got – Awesome. Hey, man, the world is their oyster. Uh, coming up this next week on AEW Dark, you're going to have the Young Bucks versus Strong Hearts, which, of course, is uh, T-Hawk and Shima. You have Riho and Britt Baker versus Big Swole and Chris Statlander. And the Best Friends versus Private Party, which should be a really fun match. So oh, yeah. AEW Dark, once again, looking very, very watchable next mm-hmm. week, Nick. Uh, and it was a very watchable show on AEW this week on Wednesday, but that wasn't the only watchable show on Wednesday. Because, man, we had a lot of fun over on NXT. (laughs) If you have not watched NXT yet from this week, hit pause. Go watch NXT. It was one of the better shows that I remember seeing uh, on NXT in quite some time. Yeah, or just just stick around and let us... Yeah, it wasn't without its faults, but, man, it was a lights-out show. I mean, AEW on one hand, NXT on the other, they're two very different shows, and both were wildly entertaining. Um, You know, before we get into the show and start filleting NXT here, like, it it was a really solid show, and NXT just has more of a base. We know who more of the characters are. AEW is still getting going. Um, Yeah, but, I mean, boy, NXT came out the gate hot. They had a cruiserweight championship match to open the show that was absolutely lights out. Angel Garza versus Leo Rush. Who saw Angel Garza coming before that breakout tournament? Wow, Nick. Uh, Watch uh, your just, words. Be careful. Oh, hashtag phrasing. Hashtag hey, phrasing. phrasing. Whoa, buddy. Especially with Whoa. this guy. <laughs> hey, oh, all right. Uh, uh, Leo Rush's family didn't because, man, in the middle of this match, Angel Garza jumped out in the audience right in front of Leo's kids and wife and ripped off his pants. Oh, I told you. I told no one understands. No one listens to me. When I tell you, Angel Garza, he'd come for your wife, he'd come for your children. Oh, phrasing. Mm. Uh, I meant it. He he will. <laughs> he's not he's not messing around, man. He's he's got enough for everybody, if you know what I'm saying. But Ooh. that being said, get let's bring this up above the belt line, Nick, and talk about the fact that my God, 
both these guys can wrestle like gangbusters. Mm. Holy crap. Both these guys, uh, I hope this continues. I hope we end up give Angel another chance at that title. Please make it a big deal. Please, can we pull the curtain or can we have this as a, dare I ask that, please can we have this on the pre-show for Survivor Series? Oh no, Again, why Why would you do that to them? This is uh, at least, because at least they'll have it. <laughs> I doubt it'll make the main card, but at least have it. But part of the joy venue. of this match was having the crowd interaction, you know, and having that crowd just be so hot for this match. Whereas, you know, the main roster crowd would be like, who are these guys? We don't care. Uh, yeah, you know, you're right. They, 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 you know, there might be a little blip of excitement when Garza rips off his pants and they're like, oh my God, it's even bigger than Finn's. Uh, but, you know, that probably wouldn't last too long. So, uh, much better to have it here on NXT. This crowd was super hot for it. Bunch of just, bunch of just absolutely so fast paced, this match. And I like the fact that at the end, even though. Garza came really close to beating Leo. And even though Leo pinned Garza, Garza had his foot in the ropes and the ref didn't see it. And that was great because it leaves him a way out. It protects Garza while still keeping Leo strapped. Fantastic. Is this a better role for Leo Rush than being Bobby Lashley's mouthpiece? Because he's got uh, a little bit less yeah. character, but he's being allowed to really go out there and ball out. Yeah, I, I feel like he was experimenting or doing a favor uh, with the whole Lashley thing, this this is Leo Rush. This this is who Leo Rush was bred to be when he was first coming up. You know, this is who this is where he needs to be. This is the right position for him. And facing people like some of these new breakout stars that we've seen coming up in NXT for that NXT cruiserweight title that they right. referred to several times that we've yep. been calling is going to get it's another. It's another NXT belt now. Yeah. Yep. Now awesome. if they would just redesign it. Because it's the yeah. most toy-looking belt of all of their belts. The lavender purple, whatever uh, the hell it is. <laughs> oh, it's made out of Play-Doh. It's terrible. It's uh, terrible. Butter says right. he wants to rename Angel Garza to The Gooch. Yeah. What? I'm just kidding. In chat, he says he wants to rename Angel Garza to The Gooch, which which be, eh, I don't know if that would work too well on uh, USA. <laughs> The, uh, not the first thing I think of when I think of Angel Garza is his gooch. No. 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 <laughs> the, <laughs> Sorry to derail the conversation. I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm, somehow I'm stuck on Angel Garza's gooch. I, I, yeah. Wait a minute. That's As if we crazy. needed more rem reminding of, of Angel Garza. Hey, uh, you started it. <laughs> I did. Let's be clear. Angel Garza started it. Fair. Fair <laughs> point. I did not start the fire. It was always burning. Ever since he's been taking off his pants. All right, so, uh, yes, NXT belt now adding a CW belt to its lineup. Uh, hopefully they change it. I want to point out something before we move on. What was Malcolm Bivens doing in the front row? Eyeing these Who? boys as they came down. Stokely Hathaway, former Stokely Hathaway, now Malcolm Bivens. Six okay. Foot, six foot four, 330 pounds of... I of don't know that I'm familiar with, with him. Uh, you will be. He's one of, okay. the great, one of the greatest managers working out there right now. Uh, okay. So if, if y'all saw, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, you will know. You will know. I feel like there's something there. I don't. They wouldn't stick him right in the front at the corner for no reason. That's all I'm saying. There's something there. 
They're building. Looking something. forward to uh, to Nate tearing me down in the Facebook discussion group about not knowing who Malcolm Bivens is. So, yes, uh, yes. Have at it. Prepare, prepare for your execution, <laughs> sir. Uh, yes. We next had Zia Lee versus Aaliyah, and this was a, a point of contention in our Facebook discussion group because this was Aaliyah basically be, being chased around the ring by Zaya for most of the match, except for a, a couple of moments after distractions, and Zaya just beating the crap out of her, ending with a huge roundhouse kick to Aaliyah's face that left her bloody. And uh, they even tweeted out afterwards, she and Vanessa Bourne tweeted out that Zia Lee was sloppy. She's the sloppiest person in the locker room. Look what she did to poor Aaliyah's face, blood covering her face and mouth. Um, that being said, I took another look at this, and I think it was a work. Yeah, it looks smeared and thin and flat like it didn't like that's I've had so many bloody noses in my life for various reasons and that just that's not what a bloody nose looks like. Yeah, and it, I I I have to say not only that but I went back in slow-mo and looked at the kick itself. Aaliyah turns her face totally to the side and gets her hands up like it looked like it was actually a perfect worked kick where Aaliyah had her face turned, she was protected and went down and immediately clutched her face. They had a trainer in that ring with gloves on and a towel, so quick. Like, we had another bloody spot later in the in the show, and they, did, legit. they didn't treat it anywhere near the same way, right? right. This one, they kept the camera on Aaliyah uh, for most of it. You could you could see her, and you know, she, she never brought her nose really out of the towel. There was a little bloody patch in the towel where they, you know, where he had it nicely covered up beforehand. I don't know. I... I think it was a work. The fact that it's working so many people means that it was a really good work. And yep. frankly, if it was a shoot, then I'm just jaded from years of being worked. But yep. I, I really strongly feel like it was a work here. Man, I, I, so, feel like, I feel like this was the worst part of the show. Uh, it, it, was, it is what it is. So much better stuff happened on this show that there's so much time and energy being spent on figuring out whether or not this was legit or not that it's over starting to overshadow some of the more amazing stuff that happened on the show this week. Okay, well we'll get to that. I'll just I'll leave it at, at say like this could be leading to some interesting stuff. I like seeing Zyre sure. get some love. But Same. let's Fan. but let's but let's move on and talk about some of the fun stuff Nick like you mentioned. <laughs> Finn Balor. Finn Balor comes out to the ring and says, "What happened to my NXT? When I left this place, it was where the men fought." Now I come back as filled with a bunch of boys. What is this crap? And then, of course, don't get me started on Matt Riddle. Don't get me started. Well, he didn't have to get started because Matt Riddle came out of the blackness and just tackled him, and the two of them started going at it. Uh, and, uh, yeah. By the way, Finn Balor's got bags under his eyes bigger than I do, and I, I really don't sleep ever. That's one of the hidden secrets of Nick. You guys notice I post stuff all the time at the middle of the night Well, because I don't sleep. Finn's eyes, he had bags. As big as mine. He just came off of his like, honeymoon. You don't sleep on well, your honeymoon. No, that's true. That's a fair point. But th that's been a good month now. He, he's, it's, he's been back. It's Finn so Balor. What's, the, what's the, going on with Finn? Is this a, he's just a darker turn maybe? to? Uh, it's also the lights don't help that they're giving him there. Those are really that's, that's like true. above it. Above that's lights. true. <laughs> I, like, I like this Finn. Uh, it's it's kind of the we we've seen what he did before we've seen where he went to in WWE it was a pendulum swing and now it feels like we're getting the Goldilocks uh, of everything and I'm I'm chomping at the bit to see where this ultimately leads uh, because I'm I'm kind of very invested in what's circling Finn Balor right now they haven't really defined it um, and I, I think that the anticipation of that is what it makes it so interesting because he's coming out he's interacting 
we get we see Matt Riddle jump him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Just leave. Keep doing the anticipation stuff for the time being. I want to see what happens uh, as we get it. We got going into war games, I guess. I mean, it doesn't. It's interesting because Finn went from having the perma smile, like the perma creepy smile, to now he just has a, a permanent expression on his face, like he's watching someone finger their butthole. Like he's just he just has this kind of like, uh, uh, like he almost like he smelled a fart. You know, it's not. It's it's a weird expression, and I don't think that's helping his his eye bags if that's what you're looking for. But um, he's definitely changed his character a little bit. Is but that that's, a thing? That's Somebody not, people people watch other people. Uh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I assume it's a thing. I, I don't know from personal experience. Ian-isms, uh, I guess. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's, what, that's, what people, that's why the patrons pay their money. Uh, <laughs> so then this all breaks down. You've got uh, Undisputed Era come out to the ring. You've got uh, Ciampa and uh, Keith Lee come out to the ring to back up your boy uh, Riddle. And this ends up in a match between Keith Lee and Roderick Strong because Keith Lee starts talking smack. Roderick Strong starts talking smack. We have a match between the two of them, which ends up being a really fun big ma- big man, little man match. And uh, I was really enjoying this match. The only problem was it didn't really have a finish. It did have a finish. Keith Lee pinned Roderick Strong at the end of this, but we had a lot of interference at the end with yeah. everybody else coming back out to the ring. All kinds of madness. Uh, Finn Balor takes out Matt Riddle, and uh, to end all of this, all of this chaos, all of this chaos ends in Dijak coming out to make the save as well. So now you've got four good guys. You've got Matt Riddle, Ciampa, Dijak, and Keith Lee, and you've got Undisputed Air on the other side, along with Finn Balor. Um, the way it breaks down at the end, however, Dijak asks to, do- to join Team Ciampa. Ciampa gives him the handshake. He and Lee face off and end up uh, giving a handshake as well, which was a little pop moment for us because, Nick, what did we say? Dijak's joining the team. They listen. And here he is. But Matt Riddle now wants Finn Balor at Survivor Series, so he's out of the Survivor Series match. So once again, we're down to three on Team Ciampa. Plot twist. Plot twist. And, of course, this is because Johnny Gargano is legit injured. Uh, and he's out, and he can't have that match with Finn right now. So I, I have a guess. Who do you think the number four is going to be? Um, well, I would say the winner of the next match. Really? Possibly. I think Wouldn't it's a, be surprised. Well, maybe, maybe. I, I, I still think if Dream's healthy, he'll be he'll be in the match. He'll be the surprise come out. But they might be waiting to to see if he's healthy, and yeah, that might be. True. And that might be why they're pushing this next guy so hard, and that's Swerve Scott, uh, who had a match with Bronson Reed. Fun little match. Very fun match. Uh, basically, both guys getting to show, show off what they can do. Both guys getting over. Uh, the crowd likes both of them a lot. Yeah. But Swerve does ultimately win this match. Defeating Bronson Reed, they had a nice moment at the end, a little bit of a little handshake. Nick's favorite thing, some sportsmanship. And uh, then we had... What was supposed that's, to be a match. That's one of those matches where I'm in the crowd going, both these guys, yeah. both these guys. And that was definitely a Swerve both Scott, these guys Scott, Bronson match. Reed coming out of this that breakout star tournament. Uh, even though Killshot didn't make it out of the first round, just look at how much he's been getting pushed over the last month or so. It, it's Both of these guys have huge, huge potential. And we, we know of, of Isaiah Killshot from his past as well as you know some of the stuff Bronson Reed's doing. I love that he's got this big singlet that says "Double C Thick" on it. Fantastic, just steering into that kind of stuff. 
both these guys all day, all day. Just both these guys. Yeah. Well, and then the next match, it was well, it wasn't a match. It was the next segment. It was supposed to be a match between uh, Pete Dunne and Killian Dane, but it ended up being uh, a beatdown on both of them by Damian Priest. All three of these guys, frankly, for me, yeah. uh, and it, it pretty much looked like they're heading towards a triple threat at Takeover. I see no oh, yeah. other, no other Inevitable. explanation. Yeah. But that being said, that's a triple threat. I can't wait to see Damian Priest doing a step up. What to, step up? Tope. Oh, unbelievable for a guy that size to to take out both Dunn and Dane here. What's what's my favorite news saying? Put it in my eye holes. <laughs> the triple threat with these three guys. Please, please make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh I man. Can't wait for this match. So that yeah, so far, as we said, NXT running on all cylinders here, and it finished off with one of the best women's ladder matches I've seen in recent memory, Io Shirai versus Mia Yim. I think the only thing that kept this from being a classic was the fact that Mia Yim got injured in this match. Uh, slow build, good, nice, stiff shots, uh, some big spots. But then they're in the ring. Mia Yim's holding up the ladder, and Io Shirai does a springboard drop kick, and that ladder goes right across the bridge of Mia Yim's nose. And Nick, you know when, like, there's like two different kinds of cuts. There's the kind where you get cut and it takes a second for the blood to pool up because it's such a it's such like a a, a a perfect slim cut. Like it like it takes a second for the blood to pool up and then it eventually seeps out. This was not that kind of cut. This there's was the, the other kind, kind that just spurts out. Just, <laughs> <laughs> this was a fire hose. She just she got blasted in the face, and by the second that she hit the ground. Her face was, was starting to bleed all over the place. She turns up. She sits up and turns over, and that crowd just very loudly went, oh, immediately. And she turns over and just blood everywhere, just bleh, all across the floor. She got, Nick, ready for it? Busted. Busted wide, wide open. open. Not busted open. Not busted open. Busted wide, busted wide open. open. Yes. Because the, as Chris Daniel says, there are degrees. There are yes. degrees. We're not busted open. We're busted wide open. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Mia Yim got messed up, and Io Shirai had to sell like she was hurt too and couldn't climb the ladder while they patched up Mia. And unlike the Aaliyah spot earlier in the show, they didn't show them patching up Mia because there was like five people in that ring immediately going, uh-oh, that's not good. Uh, and to Mia's credit, she finished the damn match, and she took some nasty bumps uh, to get there, too. So, um, wow. The thing I want to say here is that I've been trying to tell y'all about some Mia Yim for a year. I remember <laughs> when she first debuted, and there were some uh, questions, right? Is she bocce? Is she green? Is she good enough? She ain't green. She's been doing this for long enough. I understand. But I, those were kind of the comments and reactions and everything. But we've had our eye on Mia Yim for some time, and it's good to see her finally. She's in a ladder match. Not all the other spots aside leading up to what this was. This was a ladder match with Eo Shir- Evil Shirai to determine uh, the, what was it, the who goes first or something like that on the Survivor Series or that's the War Games match. Well, I, I remember yeah, what this advantage, was. Advantage. It, uh, advantage. Advantage. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, Mia Yim, not Candice LeRae, not. Any, any of the other girls that have been there for some time. Mia Yim. 
So well, I, and also I love this match between these two. She's being billed as kind of more of the bruiser. Like you have Rhea yep. Ripley, who's a monster, but then you have Mia Yim, who's just tough as nails, and that's how they've been building building her. And to her who credit, overlooked Dakota Kai to go straight to Mia Yim after last week. But to to Mia Yim's credit, like if you're going to get billed as someone who's tough as nails, you have to act tough as nails. And yep. the the when she came out last week with the kendo stick, the way she wielded that kendo stick made her look like a beast. The way that she took that ladder to the face this week and came back and still, you know, blood coming out of this barely styptic uh, cut on her forehead. And she takes a power bomb off a ladder and double knees in the corner, albeit very safe double knees in the corner, uh, but still takes some, some bumps to finish off this match. And then, by the way, goes to SmackDown two days later and takes bumps in a match. Are you kidding me? That will get Boss. you over with some toughness cred right yes. there. Holy crap. Uh, we weren't done here yet. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Because uh, I, I should say that uh, uh, there was a part of this match that really shocked the hell out of me. Yep. Me too. Because I had no idea that because you had Dakota Kai outside kind of making sure that Mia Yim was okay. Making sure. And, but then to back up Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray? NXT UK champ runs out, scuppers the end of the match, and helps win it for Io Shirai. Kaylee Ray? Yeah. Is, how is she involved in Survivor Series? This one really confused me because we already had four on four for the Women's Survivor Series. Are we adding Kaylee Ray to Shayna's team? Where's Tony? Oh, come on. It's not all about Tony. It's a legit, it's a legit question. You're going to bring... So Kaylee Ray, for those that don't keep up, is the one that took the NXT UK Women's Championship off of Tony Storm. When Kaylee came out, I immediately popped because I thought Tony would be right behind her. Oh my god! And seriously, give me a break here. Seriously, so this no, is- you're obsessed. You are. All right, but go All ahead. Right. Are you wondering where Tony no, was? No, I'm done. I'm done. No, you were wondering. No, don't pout. You were wondering where Tony was, and I'm telling Where's you, Tony? she doesn't have to be every. She doesn't. Not just because one woman from the UK comes into NXT does not mean that your girl Tony Storm has to be there too. I understand you like you're some Tony Storm. You want to see her do all. You want your Tony Storm now. I want it now. I'm Nick, and I want what I want now. Hashtag my wrestling. But you can't get Tony Storm. You're getting Kaylee Ray. I'm just not going to watch TakeOver then. That's fine. Okay. All right. Well, you just go pout because you're not getting your Tony Storm. And, and at some point, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe she'll show up on NXT TV for you. Or maybe you'll get lucky and Kaylee Ray is the harbinger of Tony Storm being on Team Rhea Ripley. <sighs> Even though that would make no sense in kayfabe because last I exactly. checked, Ripley and Tony Storm weren't on the same page. But No, they're not. They're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this could be an intro to Dakota Kai, though, where Kai gets redemption because now it's five on four, and they need to they need to bring in Dakota Kai onto the face team, and she doesn't turn heel, but she you know helps the face team. I don't know. So, still some open ended stuff in this, uh, and I like this. I like this unpredictability. Like, cool, awesome, and also way to uh, way to promote your NXT UK brand by bringing some of the champs over. Yep. So. Beautiful. Oh, but wait, we still weren't done with all of this. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. Just because just when you thought the heels were standing tall, Shayna coming out to applaud Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai sitting on top of the ladder. Meanwhile, throughout the entire show, we had been shown clips of every woman being laid out 
Like virtually every other woman that we didn't see in this final match. You had Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, uh, you had uh, uh, Candice LeRae, uh, Jessamine Duke, Marina Shafir. They were all laid out, scattered like bodies all over the, the campus. And they had no idea who was there, who was causing this kind of carnage. And at the end, yep. as Shayna is sitting there clapping, who should come out but Bailey coming into Shayna's yard and takes out Shayna, gives her a, a like, I couldn't even tell you what that was, like a front DDT, uh, arm lock DDT. It's some weird arm, leg, arm lock, leg yeah. sweep DDT, bunjigger thing. I don't even know yeah, what Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get called out in chat for not knowing this off the top of my head. But <laughs> got, <laughs> gave her a nasty-looking move on top of Shayna's own title and then was chased off by the, all the other, by Bianca Belair and Io Shirai and everyone else. Um, Nick, we were saying last week, Bailey has to take this to NXT. She's an afterthought at this point in this Becky and Shayna feud. She needs to go to NXT and take out everyone. At, well, we said specifically take out Shayna, um, but make her mark, basically, and look yep. like a badass. Nick? They listen. They listen. They listen. Yeah. Hashtag because they listen. They, they, they did. They, Bailey was here, and even though... Uh, she and Shayna brawled off into the crowd on SmackDown, and I felt that kind of undermined this a little bit. And having NXT come back and take revenge and then lose on SmackDown undermined this a little bit. Um, right here for this moment, I was I said, "Thank God, they made Bailey relevant. Yeah. They made Bailey took out all of NXT, and it was a little bit. The problem was on the show itself; they didn't make it clear that it was Bailey who took them all out. Rhea Ripley had to tweet out later." Uh, that, that it was Bailey that did it. Um, but still, Bailey took out Shayna in her own stomping grounds. I, I don't think that needed to be called out by Rhea. That's what I read into it. But a lot you of people know, didn't. It, a lot of people could, didn't know if it was Dakota Kai or who it was. I think I thought it was fairly clear, but a lot of people were confused. Yeah, I mean, when she came out there and, and attacked Shayna and put her down, you know, that, fantastic. That's what I, I, I totally associated all of those back... Back of the brawl or back of the behind the curtain beatdowns, the mystery attacker. Of course, Bailey. And it's exactly like we said last week. She needed to come down to NXT and run rough shot. Now all of a sudden she's relevant, I hope, in the match next weekend. So that's what she needed to do. And she did it. Agreed. Congratulations. And <laughs> congratulations, Bailey. We're so proud yes. of you. Uh still gotta work on your presentation a little bit because I don't quite buy her as a badass yet. I don't quite know. But no. This was definitely the right thing to have her do. And the right thing to do next week is to have a men's advantage ladder match, which we're having between Dijak and Adam Cole. Oh, mm. oh NXT. Oh, NXT. Loving it. Just keep, so. just keep amping it up, guys. Yep. You're doing, this is how you build towards a pay-per-view. Agreed. Introduce stakes. You have big matches. You uh, give qualifiers for priority and advantages and all kinds of stuff like that. Thank you. Thank you for doing this properly, William Regal and Triple H. Amen. Please so Nick, go teach the main roster how to do this. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. So, Nick, that wraps up NXT. We have a little bit more to talk about, however, this week. Let's go talk about New Japan. So not much going over on in New Japan other than we have the tag, World Tag League starting on November 16th, which is today. Yes, uh, actually, well, last night, technically. Oh, I guess technically it'd be this morning here on yeah. the East Coast or whatever that is. Right. 
So, yeah, it went, happened earlier today, but we have some uh, some match lineups for you, Ian, if you wouldn't mind breaking those down for us. Break it down. No problem. No, it's uh, so the Tag League is kind of the last hurdle before Wrestle Kingdom, and it does set up the last few storylines going into the big show. So it is worth a watch if you have the time, uh, as there are some storyline points that get laid out in and while everyone gets a chance to rest a little bit in these tag matches, relatively speaking. Um, some very interesting tag teams, too, I might add, Nick. I'm going to run down uh, spoilers, by the way. I'm going to include match results for last night, so if you haven't heard it, then maybe skip this part. But, uh, but at the same time, it's also, you know, it's a long, it's a tournament. So not that big of a deal if you know the outcome of the first night. But you have yeah. Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi on a team. They beat Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi who were on a team last night. Of course they did. Uh, Tanahashi and Hanare, which is an interesting team hmm. up there. Uh, they beat Togi Makabe and Tomowaki Hanma, which makes sense. Makabe and Hanma are there to put people over. Uh, Suzuki and Lance Archer are a team. Oh. Yeah, Nick, Nick. Mm, there you go, buddy. They beat Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale from Bullet Club. Uh, Manabu Nakanishi and Yuji Nagata, the old dudes that are going to be putting people over. Of course, they lost. To Kenta and Yujiro Takahashi, which is a team to watch out for. Uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima are, uh, they beat Shingo Takage and El Terrible. Why would you put Takage with El Terrible? Uh, other than just to keep him from winning the whole thing. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, Toriano and Colt Cabana. Boom, boom. Yeah, what is he doing in New Japan? What, what is Cabana doing in the New Japan zone? Teaming with Toru Yanu. <laughs> That's right. That's that alone is reason enough for you to watch right there, Nick. Oh they, god. Okay, I'll be watching that tonight, guys. But they did. <laughs> they lost. They lost their first match to get this. Mikey Nichols, you may remember, as part of uh, TM61 from NXT, yeah. and Jeff Cobb, who are a team. Whoa. So yeah, our boy Jeff Cobb back in New Japan, teaming up with Mikey Nichols. Very cool. <laughs> David Finley and Juice Robinson are a team. They beat Hiroki Goto and Carl Fredericks. Okay. And uh, Fredericks, I think, there is to eat pins for Goto. Jay White and Gato beat Naito and Bushi. So those are all of your tag teams in this tournament. The The thing for me is looking at all these tag teams and going, well, who the hell is going to win this and go to face Gorillas of Destiny at Wrestle Kingdom 14? Because I'm not seeing any, like, Serious tag teams in here. I would love to see Suzuki and Archer, but they're also heel teams. You almost need a face team to go face the uh, Gorillas. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I'm just. Thinking. I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing anything really. Yeah, I'm. I'm torn. <laughs> like I don't. I, I, Finlay and Robinson. Jeff Cobb and Nichols. <laughs> no, because Cobb Cobb's only there on a limited basis. He's got to go back to Ring right. of Honor. So yeah, I I'm having a real tough time looking at this. And seeing who wins. Ishii and Yoshihashi and Finlay and Robinson are the only ones that I look at and say they're not doing anything else. And they're a face team that can go face Gorillas of Destiny. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I'm kind of shocked here. I got nothing. <laughs> Chase Owens. And th this is for the tag title match no, at Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kenta is the, is the uh, never openweight champ, so he's not going to win it. Uh, maybe Saber Junior and Taichi because they got nothing else going on. But then again, I mean, then that's you know fact. That's, but that's Suzuki Suzuki gun against Bullet Club though, so that could still work. Uh, that's a good point. So yeah, weird. It's a weird one this year. Hmm. Very weird one this year. 
But uh, anyway, that is it for New Japan. That'll be going on for the next few weeks. And yes. worth keeping an eye on. We'll let you know what goes on right here on this very show. Awesome. Well, guys, that's our show today. Oh, whoa, we're not done yet. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, yeah, it's time for ratings time. AEW numbers were up this week. NXT was down from last week. NXT dropped about 63,000 viewers uh, to 750,000 this week. Ouch. Whereas you want to know how? You bury them on your main roster shows. That's how. Oh, dang, Nick. Um, and then AEW went back up very close to a million, 957,000 viewers, up 130,000 from last week uh, with a .43. So uh, AEW, I, this is the crazy thing. Look, look at this, man. .25 for NXT and a .43. For AEW in that mm. in that in that eighteen to forty nine demo that everyone's shooting for, NXT and AEW is just crushing NXT in that demo. Wow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, interesting. Keeping look looking at the uh, the pattern here. Um, AEW took a bit of a hit at the end of uh, MLB season, but they are coming roaring back after their pay per view. NXT uh, had a big jump for uh, for AJ Styles and the OC, but uh, dropped back down. Afterwards, my goodness. Uh, you may have probably heard, seeing as he was trying not to break the internet, but the world, CM Punk, debuted on Backstage. Oh, wait, Nick, that's right. We announced that back on September 26th that he was going to be on that show. Because you oh, did, yeah. legit heard it here first. We did break that story, thanks to one of our listeners, uh, Mr. N well, we can't actually give away our sources. But uh, yeah. at any rate... Yes, we uh, we broke that story a long time ago, Nick. <coughs> the one feather we've ever had in our cap, as far as those things go. Yeah, we've had a few. We've had a couple. That was like know? that was a real genuine scoop, though. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, enough patting ourselves on the back. Yes, CM Punk did finally debut on backstage. It is official. He will be one of the hosts on that show. The interesting aspect there is that it's a Fox show about WWE. WWE's got nothing to do with that. So he really genuinely can say kind of whatever he wants and if anyone on that show you know a lot of other people on that show uh whether it's renee young or booker t who want to stay in good with wwe or ryan satin who wants to continue to get his 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 you know material uh doesn't want to burn any bridges no one else wants to burn bridges cm punk doesn't give no crap about no bridges so that could be some really interesting stuff coming out of that boy's mouth on backstage I, I did notice that when they did the debut on backstage, they actually played uh, Living Color, Cult of Personality. They did. When when they did the recap of that debut last night on SmackDown, they played not that song. Not that song. No, they definitely. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> they didn't make a big deal about CM Punk coming back. They're like, oh, yeah, CM Punk's on backstage. Go check it out. <laughs> so... Very interesting. I loved that Adam Cole was on the on the episode that CM Punk came out on. Adam Cole immediately starts playing air guitar when, yes. that, when the song started. A Channeling nice, Kyle O'Reilly. A nice, a nice little moment. Um, Jordan Miles. Excuse me. I shouldn't call him that anymore. He hates being called that, even though he made up the name. ACH quit WWE. He posted a uh, Twitter video rant, which has since been taken down, although I do have a link I could probably post in the group for a, uh, a site that saved that. Um, he, uh, yeah, it was an expletive filled video about how he was leaving WWE qu officially quitting them, uh, even though, you know, he's still under contract to them technically, uh, but he.
will not be going back to WWE, called them a racist company, and uh, doesn't want to work for them anymore, and is looking forward to getting back out on the indies. Uh, he also had a AMA on Twitter. Some of his answers to that was that he'd prefer to go to New Japan over AEW. Interesting. He doubled down and said, or tripled or quadrupled down at this point, said WWE's racist because of the T-shirt and that they lied to him about it. He, doesn't go, he didn't go into detail about that, but he did point out WWE's past, even though he didn't list any specifics. He admitted that the T-shirt triggered things from his past and a lot of anger came up with it. That caused him to come at a lot of people the way that he did. He refused to apologize for what he said again because he felt he said he meant what he said at the time. He admitted that a lot of his stuff on Twitter was fueled off of emotion, but he wouldn't take it back because if I meant it, I said it, quote, unquote. He said he cannot answer what WWE is going to do about his contract. He said legally he's not clear to move on, but mentally he's out. He said who knows when asked when WWE would actually release him, uh, and he didn't know if it could actually be worked out. He said he got goosebumps from uh, Kofi winning the WWE title and was in the crowd at the time at that WrestleMania. And he said it was one of the favorite moments he's ever watched live. So here's, here's the sad part, though, Nick. He did admit okay. that he suffers anxiety and depression and can have bad mood swings. Quote, that doesn't mean that when I speak out, it doesn't have anything behind it. End quote. Uh, he also said that there's a huge story behind the Jay Lethal comment, but he won't disclose it. And quote, throw more salt on his name than I already have. So, obviously, a really difficult thing to discuss still, Nick. But all I can uh, from just what I'm seeing here and what I'm hearing here, I just hope this guy has some people on his side, on his team that can sit him down and talk to him and counsel him because he seems like he's a bit mentally unstable um, and really needs to to have somebody or some a, a number of people. Um, screw his head on straight. I'm going to stand by what I've said previously. This, this, there's, there are ways to handle yourself. Tact, I think, was the word that yeah. he used and preached. You are in. You were in NXT with one of the stalwarts of mental health awareness in Mara Ranallo, and I am. I can't imagine that there was not someone there that you could have talked to, approached. Uh, and and, ha- and and preached your differences to behind the scenes. If you didn't get the answer you wanted out of management, that's fine. There are other ways to do it than Twitter. Twitter is poison. <laughs> it's it's absolute poison. As, as I can is, attest, yes. This is not the way. Exactly. Look at what <laughs> happened to you for saying one, you know, not even derogatory thing. Oh, Chris Jericho, I'm disappointed in you. Unleash the flame war, right? Yeah. So what you've now done is you've i think you've torched maybe not your career but nobody's going to want to work with you because of the way you've handled yourself not because of the material that you were upset about it's the way you've conducted yourself and, and it's, that's unfortunate and it's funny because everyone was on his side with the shirt thing everyone was like yeah that until suck. he started tearing them down until he started taking out until he took out Jay Lethal and when he went for Jay Lethal that's when everyone turned on him and yeah. it and and as more and more of the story came out, everyone started to to realize, oh wait, no, this is this is ACH actually kind of going off the rails a little bit, and you know he as he said he admitted he's got mood swings and depression and all the rest of it. Like this is very obviously, um, you know this guy is is I I don't I don't know him and I don't know any any more specifics beyond what I'm seeing here, but it does feel like there is an instability here. 
that needs to be addressed. And Antonio Brown, anyone? And a reaction. Oh, don't bring him up. I'm a Raiders fan. We don't like to talk about him. Um, but yeah, where where there's there's something else going on here beyond just um, the the things that are happening in his life, like yeah. the way that he's reacting to things and the way that he is um, interpreting and processing things uh, is is under question. So it will be interesting to see where he lands. Um, who will continue to want to work with him? Um, I have no doubt there will be people that want to work with him. The guy is massively talented. He's insanely talented. So, That's such a shame. Again, such a shame. You know, and and it wouldn't. I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see what the what the future has for ACA. It's Hopefully. it's it's interesting to me as well. Like when you go through your career in certain ways, you have to pick hills to die on. Sometimes you have to pick battles to fight. And I'm not saying that he picked the wrong battle to fight, but it's tact. It's the way you went about it. And you know, are you willing to torch everything that the way that you have? over something that was that likely was a miscommunication or something you just simply didn't agree with, but you were under contract to adhere to. Well, There's all kinds of things we can speculate on here. Let's and not I, just, ex- I, I, yeah. keep, I keep going back to... Let's not don't ex- know the whole story one. Let's not I excuse... keep going back to the way it was handled and the way that he went about addressing the issue. Yeah. It's, twi- it's Twitter. Let's not, it let's, Twitter. Not ex- let's not excuse WWE for their culpability and the things they did wrong here. I'm which not. They, which I'm they not. did. But... Yes, uh, absolutely. Like when it comes to how to deal with the situation, this was absolutely not the way to go about it. No. Um, even at, at the first, like it, you could even say, like, yeah, all right, I understand some of the ways he went about it. Um, if he felt there was no recourse, and he, like you know, this is a weird uh, comparison, but right now Taylor Swift is fighting with the owners of some of her old music. And trying to get back control of it, she had no legal recourse, so she took to Twitter to energize her fan base to come to her support, right? And now they're uh, going after these guys and saying, "Hey, release Taylor Swift um, from from you know release her music, let her let her do what she wants with her music." Sometimes there is a recourse there where you speak out on things that you don't feel you have the power. Uh, you have to embarrass those in so power. So you incite the mob. You, you, well, you, speaking, you, but sometimes that speaking truth to power or or inciting, yeah, sometimes inciting the mob will work where uh, negotiations won't. That that was not, however, how this went down sequentially is what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you, Nick. Is that the the time to incite the mob is not now after was, everything was not, else has been exhausted. Exactly. Yeah. When everything else has been exhausted, then incite. Like then get the pitchforks out. So that was anyway. We're 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 spending too much time on this. Uh, bottom line: ACH says he's done with WWE officially, and um, is looking Wait, forward to his. He, how did he quit? Why why is it Luke Harper quit? How, how can these people get locked into contracts and stuck in catering for six months, and ACH can just quit? Well, the same thing that Neville did, where uh, or, or Pack did, where he just he just went home. He he that you quit by just sitting out the rest of your contract, which is dangerous because he's not. You know he's not going to be able to go out and do indie shows, but he's got to sit there and wait until his contract is done. And we don't know if that's six months. We don't know if that's a year, two years. We don't know how long his contract's for. But unless WWE wants to release him, or they say, okay, yeah, you go do what you want, uh, he's under contract until his contract's done. But he's not going to go back to WWE. Is what he's saying. So someone else who, uh, yeah, someone else who may be having an indefinite leave of absence is Brian Kendrick, who tweeted out that he's taking a quote indefinite leave of absence. Absence, uh, because he's not appreciated. Uh, I have to say, the look of this tweet, though, it looked like he a little bit more. He said that was the reason why? 
Yeah, it looked like a little bit more of a work because he hashtagged a bunch of things like the cruiserweight division. But uh, so that made me feel like it was a little worky. We may see him end up down in NXT doing some more kind of nice heel work. Uh, that's my hope, at least, because I'd hate to lose Brian Kendrick. Unless, of course, he went to AEW, in which case you heard it here first. But that would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, so keep an eye on Brian Kendrick. Not sure what's happening with him. Uh, also not sure what's happening with Oni Lorkin. Oni Lorkin uh, took down yes. all his all his old tweets, renamed himself to his indie name, Biff Busick, and is now no longer tweeting in all caps. Even sometimes Some of them are all caps, but some of them are not. So not sure what's happening with Oni Lorkin. Uh, if he's out of WWE or what's going on or changing gimmicks or something. I don't know, I don't but know. I... Yeah, Oni, uh, uh, don't get me worried, bro. Yeah. Um, also, in other news, NXT UK Blackpool has been announced. It will take place January 12th. So we have something yes. else to look forward to over in NXT UK if you're a fan of that brand. Um, some interesting news coming out of uh, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, which, of course, is the December pay-per-view this year. Already, we're having some matches advertised for that pay-per-view. Brace yourself, Nick, because apparently we're getting another month of Corbin versus Reigns, because of of, they're they're announcing that there will be a Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin, sorry King Corbin, in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Ooh, with the dog with the mascot ringside. Guaranteed. Ooh, ooh, I've got the tingles. <laughs> Probably means I have to poop. Uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Oscar and Kyrie Sane will be defending against Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair oh. in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Because why not? Why not ruin... I mean, I'll watch the shit out of that, but... Uh, I hate it. I hate it. And finally, speaking of things I hate, Rusev versus Bobby Lashley with Lana, also being advertised for TLC. So TLC, God. already looking like a really garbage pay-per-view. Just going to throw Bro, that out there Rumble, right now. you can't get here soon enough. Oh, tell me about <laughs> it. Uh, Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal. <laughs> this is turning into a really depressing news segment. Jinder Mahal is looking forward to healing from his knee surgery. You may remember he ruptured his patellar tendon back in June. He's looking forward to getting back to winning championships. His words, not mine, as he was mm. interviewed in uh, UK's Metro paper, uh, Metro newspaper. Uh, and then a couple last things. Jacob Fatu just signed a multiple-year deal with MLW. We don't know how many years they said multiple. Uh, but he is their current champ and one of their biggest stars. Uh, he is also MLW the, making moves. Yeah, nephew of nephew of Rikishi and cousin of the Usos. So Fatu yep. comes from a very very big family. He will be in WWE eventually. Mark my words. But right now he's making Samoan. his name on the Indies, uh, and he's gonna he's getting over big and he's awesome. He actually is genuinely yeah. really freaking good. But don't if you're a fan, don't get in his face during a match. He will kill you. <laughs> I've seen it happen. Uh, and then finally. Daniel Tosh, not a guy that we brought up on the show ever, but now it's time to because he's been having an ongoing war with Arn Anderson. Just Arn Anderson didn't know about it until recently. Tosh has been making fun of Anderson on his show for years now, and only recently did Arn Anderson find out about this. And Thanks, cut, Conrad. <laughs> and cut a, yeah, and cut a promo back on Daniel Tosh. And sure enough, now it's underway. Tosh versus Anderson is 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 a go. Uh, Daniel Tosh throwing throwing some shade back on Arn Anderson. All of this stuff is up on our Facebook discussion group. It if is, you haven't seen the YouTube video of Daniel Tosh doing a podcast, throwing 
throwing stingers back at Arn Anderson. It's brilliant. And even gets Hacksaw Jim Duggan in there to throw some shade yes. at Anderson, too. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's it's good. St- and I, I have to admit, I was uh, I was talking shit about Daniel Tosh in this first game. Oh, Daniel Tosh. Eh, he's all right. It's, this, this is good stuff. It's a lot this of fun. This is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So the props, props to him for, for making some funny material. And that is the news, Nick. <sighs> Oh, well, thank you very much, Surrey and Dangerous. And thank you guys for hanging out with us for this episode of Busted Wide Open. Make sure you hit that subscribe button right there if you're watching on YouTube as well as the little notification bell. If you're listening on not on YouTube, not watching us, you're missing out on some fun stuff as we record these live. Head over to YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Subscribe to our channel. We're on the race to 1,000 subscribers. We want to get there by the end of the year because we might have a surprise for you if we do. Uh, you can also come over to Facebook, search for Busted Wide Open, give us a like on our page, as well as hit, send us a join request to get into the BWO discussion group. Yes, the hub of our operation where we post all kinds of fun stuff like the videos that Sir Ian Dangerous was just referring to on Tosh versus Arn, which could culminate in a match in some way at some point. Don't be surprised if you see Daniel Tosh at AEW sometime in the near future. Would not be surprised. Uh, at the end of the day, though, that is... Uh, <laughs> That's where we hang out in Facebook in that group. You'll also find a link to our Discord server where you can get in on that awesome real-time community for all of the shows, live chat channels for all of the shows and other newsy type things, uh, as well as you know non-wrestling type of chats like TV, movies, all kinds of good stuff over there. Make sure you join us in Discord. We're going to have live chats for all the pay-per-views, including Survivor Series and uh, Tag League and all kinds of stuff that's going on. Make sure you're in our Discord. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. And last but certainly not least, our patrons. Thank you guys very much for all you do for this show, helping spread the good word, giving us your hard-earned dollars every single month to make sure that we can continue to give you the best of the best show multiple times a week every time we can. And recently, in the last six weeks or so, we have taken our what used to be our listener questions segment and broken that out into its own patron mailbag uh, series that we do in addition just to be able to give it more time for some of those listener questions where we don't feel so rushed. Thank you guys for all of that. Again, you'll find that on the YouTube channel as well as wherever you find your podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed to the Busted Wide Open podcast. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God! Somebody stop the damn man! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com